With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have a great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs> Hey, it's K-Pat. Boom. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. 16th of December, 2013. We are putting a wrap on five years here this week. Five, five years. Five years. This week, this will be the end. Five years. We will have completed it. Wow, that is awesome. The voice you hear is that of Jay Hasek, who is in studio. Seem Salabim, my friends. Our normal College Volleyball Weekly correspondent and regular contributor, Jay Hasek, in studio in California, here in the loft. We barely had a space for him at the table, but we have made one, Jeremy, and all his computers and equipment. Jeremy, as usual, present, accounted for, and running the entire program, responsible for its success or failure. Yep, the Get real brains behind yep. the operation. Basically. That's right. I'm, I just talk for a living. That's what I tell people. <laughs> well, what about this and that? No, I just talk. And here's what we have. We have some good talk coming up for you today. We have our final four fives. We've done this the last few years. It's one of my favorite segments, one of my favorite days to be on this show is when we have an opportunity to talk to the final four coaches. We're still waiting, oddly, on the Penn State head coach, huh. Russ Rose. Thought, thought that was the only reason we had Jay in studio today. We yeah, brought right. Jay in. Yeah, it's sort of an ace in the hole. <laughs> Turns out it's more of a two of clubs. Figured that was a no-brainer. A two of clubs? Wow. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short, Judge. You're a tremendous slouch. <laughs> <laughs> So we have confirmed Jarrett Elliott from Texas, Kelly Sheffield of Wisconsin, and Jim McLaughlin of Washington. How about Washington going to do it at home? When Dude. was the last time you had a team hosting the Final Four and in the Final Four? That's my question. It can't be that long ago, can it? For women's? For I know women. for men's that's not a big challenge, but for women's that's a That's challenge. a fairly large challenge. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the sites here of the Final Four. and I, We'd have to go through the Final Fours. I have the list of champions up, and I don't see any champions. I don't see anybody winning it on their home floor. That entirely a possibility this week. Oh, wait. I take it back. 2006, Nebraska wins it at Nebraska. Ah, there you go. Look at you. Wikipedia Nebraska. boy. Nebraska at Nebraska. So... With, Washington with a unique opportunity to win it on their home floor. Jim McLaughlin will be talking to us. We'll have our ABCA College Volleyball Weekly, Deb and Brandon, calling in. They will have a preview of Seattle for you. Jay will participate in the show as well as provide us kind of a men's season preview, something to look forward to after the women's concludes and after you open all of your presents. (laughs) And after you recover from your hangover, the men's season will start. It's very appropriate that you mention men's volleyball with hangover in the same sound. Jeremy, is the show boring? 
That would be Jay. <laughs> Remember my first time being on the show? You do? Yep. When was that? When was the first time you were on the show? Um, let's see here. I don't know. It's. Right I think it's been yeah. close to four or five years. I don't know. Four or five? What? I've been dominating the show for a long time. According to the book that Matt Gardhoff has produced for us. Which we will put a photo of it online because Matt Gardhoff, he, de- he deserves an award. He deserves an award. For sure. Hold and, on. And, uh... No, no, they have to call us, that number. We, we can't call them. Sorry, we're working right now. At, at, sorry, Jeremy, you were no, going, no. and Jay's on the phone. We're, at least I muted Jay, though. We're so bringing we in Russ Rose right now. So we, we're getting Russ Rose right now. We're completing our final four fives. So um, I found my challenge bracket. Oh, finally. It's been 15 it's, minutes. Yeah, you've been it's been looking. taken for this website's awful. Um, my, I'm done. Let's just, I, I probably have, I had 38 points last week. I probably have 30 points this week. The person leading has 114. Whoa. I currently have 90, hold on, 94. Now, I don't know what the points are for the last uh, little bit there. You might still be in it. I think I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I have Wisconsin, I am correct with. And, oh, you had Wisconsin? Yep. Good and for Penn you. Penn State. Those are the only two I have left. I don't th- Let me look at my final four here. I have exactly one. <laughs> I got you both beat. I got Penn State in the final four. That's it. <laughs> I'm burning my bracket. I have got you both beat. I've got Texas, Washington, Penn State, and unfortunately I picked Florida State. So uh, a little bit of a letdown there. But but it should be a good final four. You should be getting a call here right now. We yeah. have them? Yeah. Let's bring them in. <laughs> I, you know, Jeremy, I don't know if we need pump-up music every single time here, but for this man, uh, really – I don't know what else you can say about a man who's been in the Final Four a record 622 times That's for Penn State. I, his record is like 1,655 wins and two losses, I think. Uh, let's welcome in, going to the Final Four once again, a man who's joined us several times and given us lots of time and insight, Russ Rose. Russ, are you there? I am here. Thank you. I'm, you guys make it sound better than it is. I appreciate it. <laughs> Russ, congratulations once again. Uh, give us uh, kind of the rundown of this last match against Stanford. A 3-2 thriller. You guys incredibly challenged in this match. Tell me a little bit about your perspective standing on the sideline. Well, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was a tough match for a lot of factors. One, uh, I'm very fond of John and uh, and his staff, I didn't really feel it was the type of matchup that we should have been seeing. But I'm sure Nebraska, Texas probably felt the same way, and USC, Washington felt the same way. But uh, you know, I mean, it was a it was a great match of uh, two teams that uh, relied on their strengths to do uh, a variety of things. You know, I don't think that uh, we saw either team play great for extended periods and I think in my mind it's you know that that was kind of a reflection of what the other teams did to each other you know so you know they had a game plan to stop some of our kids we had a game plan on on some of their individuals and but it was a you know it's a great match and you know we feel very fortunate to have won we were down on the fifth and uh and, and rallied, and at the end of the game, we had our three seniors in the front row. And if a rally was going to take place, it was going to be with Katie Slay, A. Scott, and Deja in the front row, and uh, that's how it ended. 
How much is this match indicative of the level inside the Pac-12 and the Big Ten just being higher than everyone else? Well, I, you know, it's, you know, people ask questions uh, about other conferences, and, you know, I've only been in the Big Ten, uh, and before that I was in the Atlantic Ten before we joined the Big Ten, so I can't really comment on, uh, you know, on other conferences. I'll, I'll be in a better situation right now because we've already played two uh, Pac-12 teams now in Utah and Stanford, and now we're playing Washington, so... I'll be a little better prepared to comment on, on on the variety of teams, but certainly, you know, both of the teams that we played from that conference were very good, and you know, we lost to Oregon last year, uh, so you know, we're aware of uh, the strength of of a number of teams. So you know, a lot of us recruit the same players. You see these individuals. You know, we've. Uh, you know, we played uh, Stanford 15 times now, so it's, you know, uh, it's obvious that, you know, I want to play Stanford. Uh, you know, you lose a lot when you play Stanford, the same as you lose a lot when you play the top teams, but, you know, that's one of the teams that I think if you're going to compete for a national championship, there's a, you know, there's a handful of teams that you need to try and play regularly. That's not to say that there's not other teams that aren't, uh you know, lurking out there that if you don't play well, you're going to lose. So, but, you know, I think the, you know, there's a number of good teams in a variety of conferences, but certainly, uh, you know, the Big Ten has had a great uh, NCAA run with, uh, you know, with how they played in the tournament with, uh, you know, eight teams getting in and seven teams making it to the regionals and two teams making it to the final four. You mentioned you've played a couple of Pac-12 teams. How about differences in style that you've seen that maybe will prepare you for Washington? You know, I'm not sure. I, you know, to be honest, I just got the film of Washington, so I'm just starting to look at it now. I, you know, when we got home from Stanford because we had a big snowstorm in in, uh, in State College, so we didn't get home till really late. So when I finally got home and I sat down and I and I just started to watch the USC match. I watched the first couple of games and I had a page of notes on USC because they were winning 2-0 and then I fell asleep and I woke <laughs> up at the end uh, the fifth game and, and it's Washington and you know so I threw away my USC notes and now I'm starting anew with uh, looking at Washington but you know I think uh, a number of things you know Jim's a, a good friend and a terrific coach uh, you know they're a really a really good serving team. The the amount of aces they have to errors is an incredible ratio. Uh, you know even though they've only got one girl who's hitting the jump spin, just the fact that they've got four kids with over 30 aces is a is a reflection of uh, you know a real commitment by those individuals to to work on their service game. And I think they're uh, you know I mean Jim's uh, style of play is is pretty. Uh, pretty recognizable and uh, how they like to play both their uh, defense at the net and how they like to play their back row defense. So I've talked to him over the years about those things because I'm such a, I'm an old guy and I played a little differently and he's, you know, he, he keeps convincing me that this is the new way that the game is being played. So, <laughs> but they're very strong. Van Zant had, you know, 38 kills and, and, and 30 digs in the match and, it made me look at a couple of matches earlier in the year where we didn't have we played people and the team didn't have 38 kills. So uh, there's yeah. no surprise, at least in that match, 
where where they were going in in key times and Ebony from USC was was equally impressive with 30 kills without an error so Cart should be the guy that's happy right now you know those of us that are still playing aren't so happy with what we're looking at but he should be feeling good about the future of USA volleyball yeah, he will definitely harvest the fruit from the trees of NCAA volleyball, no doubt. Hey, your team is fairly young. You have a couple of important seniors, but a lot of fans out here on the West Coast haven't really had a chance to see you guys play. Coming out here to Seattle, a lot of people are going to get maybe their first view of Penn State. What do they get to see in your Nittany Lions? Well, I think two things. First off, the beauty of that is I got the Pac-12 network. And okay. when I talk with Karch and Paul Sunderland, they say they've got the Big Ten network, but not the Pac-12 network. So it just kind of goes to make sense that the networks are working so well together. But, you know, I mean, I, we, we've got three seniors uh, who, who play a significant role. Uh, we're, you know, we're not as athletic, that, you know, in the middle as Stanford is. Stanford's middles are are about as good as you can get collegiately and I'm sure competitive internationally. And, you know, our outside hitters are thin in stature, but they but they can ball handle well and they play hard and, you know, they're good blockers for the position they play. And, you know, our, uh, our setter is a, a girl who was a very strong uh, hitter slash server in her high school days and we're transitioning her uh, more to the setting position so she you know can still generate some points from the online and can hit the second ball at times and sometimes of course you know I'm sure you guys have played with some people that that transition takes a little more time they still think they're hitting when they should be setting right and you know and we have a good opposite you know Ariel Scott who you know, I think last year uh, was was one of the finalists for the Player of the Year. So she was a little dinged up at the beginning of the year, and, and I think she's been making some progress. She played well against Stanford, which was, you know, one of the keys uh, to, to our success against them is uh, that, that she stepped up and played a big match. What is it about this team, Russ, that we've, we've watched you throughout the year and watched the scores and even early in this tournament, that when you guys have faced a team you should beat, you have not only beaten them, you've just pummeled them. I mean, I think your victory over Utah, I think offhand it's 14, 15, 11, something like that. And that's a decent team. What is it about this squad that you guys seem to be playing to your level every single time out? Well, I don't think – I mean, I appreciate, the, I appreciate you saying that. I don't think it's necessarily true because, it, you know, we didn't, we didn't have those scores the first night against Long Island, and I think it was more a reflection that Long Island was a really good team, that we had not played a team like that since maybe earlier in the season where you had – smaller-sized kids, you know, they start four international kids that were really good volleyball players, and they didn't care, Penn State, State Penn, you know, they didn't know, but they knew how to play volleyball. Uh, Utah uh, is certainly a really good blocking team and a, and a very good team from, from the Pac-12, but they were a team that we were more similar to their style because we play teams like that all the time in the Big Ten. Uh, our match with Michigan State, you know, is a team that we had split with this year. Uh, you know, we they beat us in five at, at our place, and we thought we contributed to that at times. And we beat them at their place and played one of our great matches. And then this match, we lost the first game, and, you know, we were battling the whole way out. So, And then the Stanford match, we uncharacteristically had, you know, 23 hitting errors. So... You know, we got blocked 13 times and still had, in addition to that, 23 hitting errors. So that's, uh, 
I know if we play like that against Washington, we won't have the opportunity to be successful. We traditionally keep our errors down. I mean, Stanford was under three errors per game. Uh, so, you know, but we had 15 more kills than they did. So we were a little more, uh, their ball handling is a little better than our ball handling. We have, uh, you know, we we have to take swings to try and score. And so, you know, we we play some things maybe a little closer to the men's game where we're not chipping and hitting roll shots. We're taking a full swing and hoping that we can, uh, you know, rattle it through the block or hit over the block. Coach, you know you're busy. I have a, just one more question for you. Coming off the chat board, they kind of want to know about the late game schedule, that you guys are going to be the later game of the Final Four. And coming from the East Coast, we understand you're traveling tomorrow. How are you going to manage that process, and how are you going to get your team to play quite late for what it should be on their time you know, on the East Coast? Yeah, that's a problem. We, we, we had the same problem last year at Louisville. You know, the NCAA really should – you know, uh, address that. It's it's a little tougher, especially in our case, to be, you know, they're saying the match is scheduled for 6.30, which is 9.30 our time. Uh, tonight we're going to practice at 9.30 for the first time all year just to get in the gym and, and see if we can uh, start our clock ticking that way. But it's uh, it's a challenge. You know, I think it's a lot easier for the people on the West Coast to come east and play in the afternoon than it is for us to go out there. We've we've played at Seattle a couple of times, and you know, luckily the players uh, don't know about it. But we didn't play either. We didn't play either well either time. And and I know afterwards the girls were like saying, "Hey, you know, coach, we're playing at nine o'clock. That's midnight. You know, we go out at midnight, but we're not going out. We're not playing at midnight." <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I th- I think it'll be a challenge, uh, but you know we're we're going to be flying out there tomorrow, and, and we'll try and find a place to practice tomorrow night, and then uh, you know the festivities kind of start on Wednesday, and you know we look forward to uh, representing the the Big Ten, Penn State, and uh, and I know our seniors. Uh, you know, care a lot about uh, you know last year that they uh, were unable to. Uh, perform as well as they would have liked in the final four part of it was micah's injury and you know part of it was uh you know oregon was a terrific team and and they were playing very well so we don't know how it would have ended with uh without micah's injury so you know they have a chance to still be playing this weekend and and i hope that they embrace it play hard and uh you know no regrets that's kind of how sports should be Coach, congratulations on getting to the Final Four once again. I know there's a disappointed faction of coaches that won't get to have you holding court in the bar instead of coaching your team out there in the Final Four. So, way to go. I will. I'm available. You know, I'll be there. I'll be there. As long as Seattle, I mean, I don't know. I might have a hard time finding a place to smoke cigars now that weed's legal. So, maybe that'll mess me up. But I'll be outside somewhere smoking a cigar. Very good. Russ Rose, thanks for the time, and good luck. We'll see you in Seattle. Okay, boys. Thanks. All right. See you, Russ. Good luck, Coach. Russ Rose, head coach, Penn State women. Never a shortage awesome. of quotes from the man, I that tell you awesome. right now. That's, that's no, fabulous. He's, man, he's a lot of fun. And, and I remember seeing him, trying to think of the city. It might have been San Antonio. I saw him sitting outside. It's just him. He's in the corner of an of an outdoor patio, smoking cigars, and there are no less than 15 people just in front of him. And, and here's Russ just pontificating or something. I couldn't hear as I went by what it was. Pontificating. Is that a Pepperdine uh, SAT yeah. word? Apparently. Jeez. How do you spell Louise. that? Yes. Spell it. That's F- a great pontificating. <laughs> <C>. Sorry. <laughs> no, you know what? That's absolutely true. And, and I think, 
you know, you, you having been around a lot of these coaches, there are some that are just wonderful storytellers. And, you know, Russ has seen the game at such a high level for so long that you're bound to see just a lot of fun things. And so it's neat to see when you, when you get a chance to, you know, hang around a coach like that, even if you're on the outer fringe and you just hear the stories going on. That's the folklore of volleyball, and, and we've all got them, and it's, it's awesome to see. So I wish him luck. I wish I could be there this week to give him my support. But What is up with that, Hasek? Listen, the NCAA, every number of years, unfortunately, because of the dates of the calendar, get screwed up. And this year, it falls into uh, the 21st of December. It's late. Hey, listen, I I, I like being there. This is the first one I'm going to miss in a long time. But, uh, you know, it just... I gotta I gotta visit some family and so that's why I'm not going this year unfortunately. I've got a lot of friends that I wish I could see out there. Coincidence that I'll be there and Jay won't be there. Oh dang Just it. Saying. You're gonna have to step up your sitting game, Jeremy. You're no problem. To, Jay, you're on the team, you know. Uh, you know Nationals what? this coming year. How can much? I get a date on that? I'm actually coaching my a calendar? PBL team. Jeez, Kevin. I'm huh? coaching a PBL team this year, Keystone Region. We're representing the PBL. Then how are you gonna play on my sitting team? I would love to play on the sitting team. Is that the same time? I don't know what, what the dates are. I gotta figure it out. Is it in Phoenix? Yeah, it's there. Dude, you know, I'm all over it. Did you do you know what muscle Dustin Aball says you have to work out to <laughs> to play on the sitting team? Uh, does it involve a nine iron and a buffalo? He said your anus. <laughs> Actually, I think he just said anal. <laughs> yeah, he said your anal. The muscle. question was what muscles do I have to work on, and Dustin just blurted out anal, like in without without missing a beat. I thought we were talking about astronomy, oh your anus. God. Yeah, that too. Oh. Um, can we talk about the time zone thing for a second? Sure. Yeah. Obviously, we all travel a lot. Sure. And I'm a big fan of the, but yeah, we go from West Coast to East Coast a lot. But I'm a big fan of whatever time it is where I am, that's yeah. what time it is. I don't do the, oh, well, where I'm from, it's Here's the time. Thing. Here's the thing. It, it, how old are you? That's now? Yeah. 36. Good call. Okay. I'm 39. I'm 44. You're not 44. I swear to God I'm 44 what? years old. How did we even play in college? Would you redshirt three years? Uh, you go on a Santa Cruz banana slug <laughs> mission? No, no, no. <laughs> listen, listen. 44? I took about... Three or four years off when I graduated high school. Yeah. I went to JC. Merchant Marines or something? Failed miserably. I was awful at education, and, which is strange that I'm well, that you're at involved. a college now. It's awesome. Exactly. I, I tried to start a surfboard company. I actually shaped surfboards. I love I that. I tried to break into the industry. I love that. And realized about three years into it, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. And so I went back to school, and PCC, my junior college, only allowed me to go back Pasadena one class. City College? Yes. Okay. Yes. One semester for a year, yeah. each semester, one class per semester, yeah. and if I maintain a good GPA, they allow me to come back full time. At that time, I went back in, played against Pierce, which I think yeah. you were a part of at the time, and then when I went to Santa Cruz, you went to Pep, and then that's the second time we met. You were at PCC when I was at I was P- at because yeah. I remember playing at your gym. I remember yeah. driving up there. It's but, a shoebox, or it was. Yeah, it's nice yeah, it's very small. Yeah. No, but Jeremy, here, here's the thing: it's it's about perspective. So. I never really cared as a player, but that's sort of my deal. I never really cared what was going on uh, when I got to the court. I would bitch and moan otherwise, but when I got to the court, I didn't care. But it, it's all about perspective. For me, I used to laugh at my mom when she'd travel for work, and she'd be, and this was when I was playing internationally. She'd be like, oh, I'm on East Coast time. Like, I just went to Europe, and then I went to Asia, and then I came home. Like, that's the problem. The first time I went to Japan, it was my first ever national team trip. We went to Japan. Oh, that probably threw you all off. Going there, no problem. I thought, oh, no problem. This is easy. I come home. I found out, oh, yeah, 
it's going east. That's tough because you come back yeah, yeah. and you wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. For these kids, it's a matter of perspective. They they don't have that experience. Yeah. True. Now, Russ said he's done it a couple of times, so some of his players have experience with it. Yep. But it is tough when you're into a rhythm of a day, yeah. even when it's off by an hour. We did an 8 o'clock match this year at Utah, and Beth Lanier even said to me, we were talking to her before the match, she's like, yeah, I was at home at 5, kind of like, Okay, uh, yeah. what do I do now? Because yeah. normally she'd be leaving to go to yeah. the gym and arriving in 7 o'clock match. It's it's an odd thing. You get into that, that yeah. regimented life. It's much like the sleep pattern. But he said they child. get there, he, they fly tomorrow? Fly tomorrow. Yeah, they fly out late tomorrow night. Late tomorrow or night? No, 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 they're going to get a practice. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, they're, they're, going, gonna... they're going out early tomorrow morning. They're practicing yeah. late tonight. Yeah, to start. That, that, and that's a pretty common practice. I think anybody's going to try to keep a team acclimated to the time that they're going out. The national team does it. All big teams do it when they try to go travel somewhere in a different time zone. Yep. I, I think, I think uh, you know, we, we go out to the outrigger every year, and I think it's it's a little bit tough for us to go and play a match at it's 7 a big p.m. That's a six-hour difference. Yeah, it's a big time change. So, for, you know, a lot of teams. Is that something the NCAA can look at in that bracket? Because the times, I assume, are already set. Well, you've got to yeah. figure every team, though, is... You're going to travel. You can't have it just in the middle of the country where everybody can. Correct. No, no, but I mean, like, they could see that the Final Four, oh, Penn State's traveling from the East Coast. We should probably schedule them early. Are you going to Because it's not a TV thing. They're not going to do that. Are you going to put the home team on the early match? Uh, That's a good call. No. No. You're not. Yeah. You're not. So that's. I think that plays a huge part of it. That's a good call. Huge for Washington to be playing at home. Should ask Russ about that. What about playing Washington at Washington in the Final Four? Yeah. In Key Arena. It's going to be off the hook. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a big match. That's going to be fun. I mean, the atmosphere at a normal Final Four, I've been impressed when you don't even have a home team. When we're in Louisville and Nebraska fans are there and we don't even have Nebraska, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that. I've been impressed with the fandom of the sport that, that in the women's Division One side is starting to develop where you have people that are at an event where they don't have a vested interest other than they love volleyball. Yes. And that's a leap volleyball has never made. We don't have casual fans, largely. Yeah. Correct. We have some, but we don't have casual fans. It's just whoever's invested for some reason, some connection to a program or to a team. Now we're starting to get a little with NCAA women's volleyball. People are like, I'm going to the Final Four. Well, what? Oh, I just love volleyball. It's great. The Final yeah. Four is fun. Yeah. And that, with the addition of the home team plan... Oh, it's, it's going to be an electric atmosphere. Well, hopefully Kevin and I get to see it since he hasn't uh, gotten our media request. <laughs> yeah, can somebody post that link again? I, I lost it. <laughs> I would kill to be there with you guys this year. I'm really bummed I'm not going to be there. Jay, you were... I may, I may call my in-laws and say I might be missing Mexico. However... It's Mexico. Just it's come Mexico. up for Friday. Little little drinks with umbrellas in them. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I, I, I Maybe I'll go to Colorado too. or Washington and just... You know, Take a photo and text ha- it to I'll us. hang out with Russ in one of the bars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's take a quick break right now because on the other side, we're going to have Jared Elliott calling in uh, from Texas. They're in there. Uh, if they make the championship game, I think that would be, what, their sixth in the last uh, four years championship games they've gotten in? Could you call that a dynasty? How come nobody caught that? Anyway, yeah. we'll be right back. The Net Live. <laughs> Dog. When I see the man chilling with his dog 
Nice, Jeremy. Very nice. A little run DMC for your listening pleasure. Our Christmas show continuing here. Yeah, we kind of played that. I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but Kevin and I were talking over because we referenced it. And some of our listeners were like, oh, I want to hear the whole thing. So hey, I, hey, before they, they we decided get, to get it. Before we get any further, can, are, we, are we mentioning Gardhoff's net love oh. in pictures book? Keep an eye on this, by the way, Jeremy. Just, that thing uh, is get Gardhoff, dude. You have outdone yourself. You mean yourself. Do, do my job that I always do? <laughs> Unless Geeter's in, then we just sort of ignore it. Well, I don't know his phone number. Anymore. Yeah, Matt Gardhoff has produced a book. That is cool. Of the collages and various other things uh, that, that have gone on with Matt and the Net Live over the last few years. It is a remarkable piece of, a remarkable tome. Is he putting them up for sale? Are they going to be available to anybody who should want one? Or that would be cool. Be. That Five, would be cool. 512, Kevin? 512. Yeah, yeah. It's a good little coffee table book, you know? Just so, some fun I like stuff. that Matt even signed, signed it. it to me. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. pretty cool. Gardhoff, if you're listening, I want one of those, man. I'll pay whatever it costs for sure. This is going to be on display. By the way, Dan Mickle, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I have a microphone and you don't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, let's bring him in. <laughs> Our next guest is in his 15th year as a head coach, 13th at Texas, previously at USC. He has guided the Texas Longhorns to the 2008, 2009, 2010, and 2012 National Championship game. They are the defending national champions. And for yet another week, they get to continue to defend their title. Welcome to Net Live once again, Jared Elliott. Jared. Thanks for having me. It makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for being here once again. Congratulations. Yeah, you're defeated Nebraska. You guys did it in Nebraska, 25-19, 25-22, 25-23. I'll ask you the same thing. This is the sixth time in the last eight meetings you've beaten Nebraska, but I'll ask you the same thing we asked Russ Rose a few minutes ago. What was the view like? What was this match like from your perspective standing on the sidelines coaching your team? Well, I'll tell you, Nebraska does it right. I mean, they got great fans. It's a great arena. It was sold out with 8,000 fans, and it was rocking and very hard to hear and kind of manage your team during that. And You've got to have the right kind of mentality. You've got to have some experience to be able to deal with that. And earlier in my career, we couldn't. And now we've got a team that's obviously been through a lot and played some tough competition. And they rose to the challenge and played at a very high level. I was pleased. Yeah, you mentioned the strong performances of your team. Haley Eckerman with 14 kills. Bailey Webster with 12 kills. That nothing new. Tell us a little bit about some of the other players who you thought were critical in that match. 
Yeah, I thought Chiaka, our freshman middle or opposite player that, that swings middle on first ball, was was gigantic for us. We caused some matchup problems for them. They had to get some double committing going, and it kind of opened things up for us and allowed us to be successful. And obviously, Cat Bell is playing at a real high level and was all tournament. Um, uh, she's our M1, and you know we did, and our setter did a great job. And I just think you know we we played defense and we managed the game really well. We had three hitting errors from our left on 73 swings, and when that happens, you're going to be in a lot of ball games. Yeah, and you guys blocked a ton of balls. You outblocked Nebraska fourteen to three. Was that something that going in you felt like you had an advantage, or did that just develop during the match? Yeah, it developed. I mean, we haven't been blocking that. We've been blocking about three balls per game, so we were a little bit over that. And but we were focused. Our girls, you know, executed the game plan extremely well. And you know, when we're able to use that physicality and get them to kind of zone in, we can put some pressure on teams. When you were setting out goals for this season, you and the team, thinking about it, did you guys set out the goal to go back and repeat as champions, or do you set goals a little bit closer and then advance it as the season moves on? Well, we we have a sports psychologist and Mike Boyd that we work with, and he's more of a performance enhancement person that kind of has it's more about process oriented. You know, we didn't really talk about the national championship that much. You know, I, I told him, I said, look, in the Stanley Cup, you get to protect the cup and try to keep it but this there's a whole new trophy out there we've got to go out and try to earn it um and it's not given so we made some shirts in the spring that was you know with the national championship ring in the middle of it and said earned not given and they just kind of grinded and we went through about it day to day and, and we haven't really talked about the national championship at all all we're talking about is the opponent in front of us and the daily practice re- regimes that we want to get good at and see if we can keep improving I talked to you during the year, and you said that your schedule, being in the conference you're in, gives you an opportunity to maybe experiment with some things, change some things, because you're not challenged every single match, and you're not beat up the way some of these other teams maybe are if they're in the Pac-12 or in the Big Ten. What were you guys able to work on? What did you get better at during your conference schedule? Yeah, I mean, it was actually started in the preseason, um, Kevin, because we, we went through a lot of different lineups, and we just tried to study our numbers and try to study our personnel and tried to see what we could do, and we, we played a lot of different lineups. And when we got to conference, we kind of solidified on a lineup and just got really good at it. And, you know, I love our, our schedule. We play on Wednesdays and Saturdays. We have a, a few buys that give us some opportunities to train really hard and then some opportunities to, to rest them. So it gives us those opportunities to keep them fresh, keep them confident, and um, I play well. People want to knock the Big 12, but it's still a really good conference, and, and you're challenged on a nightly basis because the crowds that you face and, and it continues to improve. And obviously it's not a reflection right now of how we're playing. Everybody says we can't win because of our conference, and that's obviously very false. Compare for me, if you will, the national championship team of last year and your team this year. It's a, it's a different team. You know, we, we lost to Darren McNeil, who was our opposite. Um, and what people don't talk about is that we lost to Cole Dalton, too. She's in the bridge shirting. Uh, was one of our other best ball control players. So our ball control, we lost a little bit on that. And it took us some time to figure out if we were going to play Chiaka, our freshman um, opposite, because we didn't want to burn, you know, year of eligibility with how deep we were. But she, every day she just kind of kept grinding and, and kept putting up the numbers. And we finally let her lose uh, late in the preseason against Illinois. And, uh, you know, so now we've, we've got really good balance. Um, our ball control is really good. And we're still pretty similar to what we were last year. And we may not be quite as first ball kill oriented from the right side as we were a year ago. Um, maybe a little bit more first ball from the middle, especially Chiaka. And our lefts are what they are. They're, they're big and physical, and they keep coming at you. 
Jared, I think about the staffs of a lot of these teams. Whenever I talk to coaches, they always talk about their assistant coaches and what they generate. You're lucky to have two great ones in Salima and Eric. How long can you hang on to these two? They have to be coveted as head coaches in a lot of positions that open up each year. That's a great question. I mean, I think we've got obviously one of the best staffs in the country, if not the best. Uh, we get along really well. We we manage each other really well, and, and we I make sure that they feel a big part of this. And you know, we do all we can on, on a financial piece so they won't leave. But more importantly, to make sure that they're happy in their roles here and and do that. And yeah, and every every job that comes open, they're getting called. But a lot of people know that they don't want to go to jobs. Um, you know, it's going to have to be a really big job for them to really look at it. When I say a big job, it's going to have to be you know a top ten or top fifteen job for them probably to consider it. And uh, my job is to try to keep them as long as I can. Uh, if not, I'm I'm their biggest advocate and want them to take the job if they think it's the right situation. And then we'll go back and, and get some other good ones. I mean, I've had some great assistants in the past as well. You know, the, big, the biggest thing for me is finding people that can relate and manage my team and, and be good with kids and, and make sure that this process is a lot of fun. I don't know if you got to see the locker room afterwards and some of the things that we do, but we try to make it an enjoyable process for these kids and enjoy the journey. You guys have built an amazing program there. It's certainly something that even when I've come down a couple of times in the last two seasons to see, you can definitely tell that this is uh, not only within your program, but your university, what you get athletics is uh, purely remarkable. Tell me a little bit about Wisconsin and your matchup with them in the Final Four. Yeah, I, you know, I haven't really seen it too much. Uh, so I'm about one game so far. We're just breaking down the film right now and, and getting all the data, all the information on them. We know that they got a great uh, setter in, in Carlini. Uh, they've got a they've got a really good left, and they got a small, really jumping live arm left as well, and, and they're good in the middle. So it's a team that has had some injuries throughout the year. Uh, so we're trying to find out some information on them, but we're gathering tapes um, as much as we can, and we, we've got a few that we've got, and, and we'll break them down and learn as we go through this week. Is your work and the work of Eric and Salima all the more important this week because you are playing a team that you haven't faced before and really you have to distill down the information that you give to the players? Well, you know, I think the biggest mistake people can make, Kevin, is they, they try to change routines when they get into playoffs. They want to watch more film. They want to do more with the team. We stay and do the exact same routine that we do during the season because I think mean, the players end up feeling those pressures. They, they start feeling that there's anxiety from us, and why do we have to start watching more film, and why are we putting more, you know, analysis on this team as we didn't do that in the earlier of the season. So we just keep it as is, keep it lighthearted, and make sure that we, you know, get them ready. And, and we'll do some walkthroughs. We'll get some – we'll do some film sessions with them to make sure that they're prepared and give them some detailed scouting reports and then move forward and, and play. And it, it still comes back a lot to – you know, our our side of the net and how we handle the game and, and how our routines are, and then, you know, how we how we manage the game and make adjustments throughout the game. When are you guys heading up, and how are you dealing with the time change? Just a couple of hours, not as bad as uh, for Russ Rose coming there, but do you guys address that at all and the, the time you're playing and the travel? We just finished a meeting on that. You know, we're waiting on our, our play. We're, we're hoping here that we're going to get a charter to make it a lot easier for us. Um, so we are waiting for short travel to find out if we're getting that. Tomorrow we're going to practice at warm-up at 9, which is 7 o'clock their time. Um, you know, let it go through about a 30-minute warm-up, and then we'll practice. And we're trying to head out about 1 o'clock and get acclimated. But we've got some time. It's not a huge time change. Uh, we've dealt with some time change this year. We tried to do that a little bit earlier with scheduling at Hawaii, which is a lot different. Um, so we, we've got them right. We'll, we'll eat the right things and get them hydrated, make sure that they're relaxed and, and fresh to play on, on Thursday uh, evening. 
Jared, thanks very much for spending a little time with us. Congratulations on once again getting to the Final Four, and good luck defending your title. We'll see you up in Seattle. Thank you very much. Okay. All right, Jared Elliott. Thanks, man. Jared Elliott, head coach of the Texas Longhorns. But he's he's built a great program there. I mean, it was a good program before as well, had some success. Uh, you know, McHaley was there before. Uh, Jim Moore at, at Texas before. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, of course, now Jared Elliott having come from SC where he was actually the head coach waiting for McHaley to take over as McHaley was uh, coaching the 2000 team. And then Jared went down to Texas and became the head coach there. Uh, he's doing, doing some great stuff with them. I mean, look at that. National championship games. Must I forgot nice. to ask him if Geeter was going to do the speech. <laughs> it mu- you know, that's a good question. It must be nice to be able to charter, though, to be able to just pick up and go, hey, we're going to charter over here instead. And uh, It's a special place, man. You go down there, that university, yeah. that town, Austin, the way that they support that university, whether it's the football team or the volleyball team yeah. or basketball teams, it, it's, it is a really cool place to be a part well, of. Well, I'll tell you what, Jerry, Jared, if you're still listening, uh, we need to start a men's program down there. Let's get that thing going. Oh, it would be, they would be Nebraska good too. instantly. And yeah. there's good boys volleyball in Texas. Is he on the gym? area? Oh, he's got to be gone. He's got to be gone, but he might be listening to this he's afterwards. Muted. Hold on. Jared, are you still there? I'm still here. Yeah. All right, I want to ask you then about Geeter. Is Geeter going to talk to you guys, or is, is he like this show too big time now with his Laker friends? He hangs out with Kurt Rambis and Worthy and everybody. Does he still have time to talk to you guys? I'll tell you one thing. Geeter will always ride with Texas. So he's part of our speeches. He had a great one the other night, and he was pretty sick, and he still made it happen. So uh, we've got some special common goal with Geeter, and he's a big part of our program and makes his journey fun. Awesome. Good deal. All right. Thanks, Jet. <laughs> okay. Thanks you a lot. Ask, you don't ask him about the boys' volleyball, but you ask him about Gator. <laughs> about Gator. Unbelievable. He's Baron. focused. We'll talk to him about boys' volleyball some other time, oh, man. My God, I, a golden opportunity here and just wasted away. And then no, you complain. No. There's not enough men's programs in the country. Really? You had a great opportunity right there to talk to somebody hey, about Jared, it. Hey, Jared, congratulations on making the final four. Now you got a ton of work to do. <laughs> but by the way, what about this esoteric question of having a men's program there at Texas? Yeah, good idea. No, no, that's a, that's a, that's a great point. But you didn't call back about something super important. You just wanted to know if Geeter was going to be in the studio yeah. talking to him. No. So it's not like you were talking to him about X's and O's and, hey, this is going to be great. You just wanted to ask if Geeter was going to be there. And I'm thinking maybe there could have been a little bit of mention, maybe just a little bit. Oh, Jay, I mean, you can't be so focused on the men's program. No, There's I know. stuff going on That's in the world. I, I, absolutely, you are correct 100%. I will do a push-up later. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jared Elliott and Russ Rose having checked in, we will next have up uh, Jim McLaughlin. Should be coming up in just a minute there, uh, Jeremy. So keep your eye on the line. I don't know, uh, gentlemen. Are we, in, are we at Seattle, a dead spot here? Seattle's going to be... For the net live, I'm hoping it's going to be a food experience. It will be a coffee experience because there are wonderful coffee houses up there. Yes, there are. The and original would, Starbucks up yes. on Market Street. And, and Pike's, uh, Pike's Place. It would be awesome if you could do it from where they toss the fish, if you could do your show there. I've watched them toss the fish. Yep. I've eaten some gumbo in that little thing there. That, that is real good. Seattle known for gumbo? Not sure if I know that Seattle is good. I've they have a good. They have great they? fish. How can you not have good gumbo? They have great seafood. Good point. Right. I mean, they've got Louisiana chefs up there. Yeah. Uh, really, just awesome food in Seattle. And we're gonna. I'm gonna review Anthony Bourdain's layover. Yes. In Seattle this week, and we're My gonna go and get a burger with a giant egg on it. That's the place I remember. That's where I want to go. You can, you can been, do that at the counter down uh, in any of the restaurants. Yeah, that's true. The they put egg on it. It's good. Uh, ah, it's I've good been looking at the weather. 
Yeah, cold. cold. Rain. Cold. Little rain. Little rain. Possibility of snow. Do you know what? I don't plan on being outside that much. Do you know what Washington does, which is probably the coolest thing in the country? So every football program has like their own little traditions. So most schools have tailgating, which obviously is a fun thing to do. Well, their football stadium butts up right to the Puget Sound, mm-hmm. and they have what's known as stern gating. And so all the alumni and the people who have boats all pull up to the outside of the stadium on the, in the water, oh. and they all tie up their boats, and they all tailgate on the back of their boats, and then they all walk over each other's boats to go into the game and have a good time. That Very is, cool. One of the coolest things I've ever seen. I like that. Yeah. Because like our plan for Seattle is Thursday we get there. Yeah. You show me the fold-out couch I have to sleep we'll on. We'll check, check in at my cousin's place. Yeah. yeah. And then I get to watch two volleyball matches. Correct. Eat good food on Thursday. That's good Correct. That's all I have to do on Thursday. Correct. And then Friday I get to go see April Ross at 2.30 because she's speaking in the Mizuno booth. Very okay. cool. And then we're Hosting having a show, show three. done. Show three. And then watching Court and Spark. And then you will be at the Court and Spark premiere. I confirmed your tickets. Solid. Court. Oh, you confirmed those tickets, but I, <laughs> I don't have my media credentials What's the yet. Court and Spark? Court and Spark documentary. is the documentary. Oh, that's right, about Courtney uh, Thompson. Yeah. And that's awesome. And really they are, what a cool they are sponsoring kid, yeah. the convention show, so that what show will cool. be brought to you by Court and Spark as well as Gold Medal Square. That's very cool. By the way, do you know, is, is MLS going on up there right now? Is, is MLS? Oh, the Sounders. The Sounders have the coolest. Yeah. Did you see the HBO? Yeah, yeah that cool. is awesome. I go to that stadium for Supercross every year. Do you really? Der Rink. The march to the match. That's got to that's be one of the coolest experiences yeah. if you're a soccer fan. I'm going to say soccer's done right now. It's December. Dang just throw that out there. We've been through Jared Elliott. We've been through Russ Rose. And now. The next guy. Pac-10 Coach of the Year, back when it was the Pac-10, back in 2012-2005, national champions, former men's coach for Jay Hosick down there at UNC, and a longtime member of the coaching community, once again has his team in national championship contention. They're going to play at home. They could play for the national championship at home. They're going to have to get through Penn State as they just got through the USC Trojans. They beat the USC Trojans at home down two sets to none. Came back. Came back in the fifth to win it all. Welcome in. Jim McLaughlin, head coach of the Washington Huskies. Jim. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing well. You must be, I don't know, emotionally exhausted, taxed, something after the weekend down here, down here in Southern California, your home stomping grounds, you guys go down 2-0, and you go into the locker room for the break. What do you say to your team? Well, you know, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot at the end of that first game, and uh, we were playing pretty good volleyball, Kevin, and then you got to make plays at the end. And, and so we just talked about that. But I think, you know, the biggest thing was, you know, the worst thing you can do is not be who you are. And, uh and we changed, you know, we got in a tight situation and we weren't doing the things that we usually do. And so, you know, we just talked about being who we are and uh, having the composure and staying aggressive. And, uh, and they came out and did that and uh, turned the thing around. What is it about your team that has made you a, such a tough serving team? That's one of the things Russ mentioned is that you have, I believe, what is it, five players or four players over 30 aces this year? Have you guys put a ton of time into that? Sure. You know, we're not, uh, we don't talk about serving aces, you know, we just talk about hitting your serve and, uh, and, uh, and being very mindful in it. And then uh, Keegan Cook is, you know, talking to these girls all the time about serving and he loves to do that. And, uh, 
but they've just they get the repetition and uh you know the key to the thing isn't you don't have to do anything special on a big match it's just the continual improvement over the course of the year and being able to just hit that serve uh when you need to and uh and I think the girls have been doing that you mentioned the entire season, and of course, playing in the Pac-12. This was one of the strongest, if not the strongest, years for the Pac-12, top to bottom. What did you learn about your team throughout this season? That's a good question. We learned a lot of lessons along the way. Um, you know, you, you, in this type of conference, there's going to be adversity, and, and really, you find out if you can handle it and overcome it, and uh, and what you can learn about it in each situation you go through. Uh, and I, you know, I just, the girls were very mature and, uh, and as we talked about growing as a, as team, as a team, as individuals, uh, they just grabbed on to everything that happened and, uh, and learned from it. So every situation is a learning lesson and, uh, and it just made us more, I don't know, uh, the vibe grew and we became a tougher team and we could count on each other and we were talking more and listening to each other so it just it was a good uh cumulative effect of the whole thing how big of an advantage do you think it is to play final four in your own hometown well we've been good at home you know we were undefeated here uh we got to go down and play in key arena early in the year so you know we've been there and we've done that so i think you know kevin it's a just not to travel and to stay in your routines and and get a couple extra days of practice in uh, should serve us well, but then you just got to go and play. And uh, you know, Penn State's going to be chomping at the bit, and they're awful good. So we're we're we're, we're fired up. Yeah, tell me a little bit about your opponent, Penn State. Well, I don't know much. We're going to get on the film today, and we'll know uh, tomorrow, and then we'll start watching film with the girls uh, tomorrow after practice. But uh, I mean, it's Russ. You know, Russ has done stuff in volleyball that you know. No one's done, and uh, very few coaches in any sport have done. But, I mean, it's amazing what he has accomplished, and uh, and he does it every year. And so I think they just believe they got a good mindset. Uh, they're physical. They're big. They know how to play the game. And uh, I just think he adds something to a group of women that, uh, you know, a lot of coaches don't, and he does something very unique. All right, now we talked about the home advantage, the ability to stay in your own bed and not have to travel and lose those days and so on. But I could imagine the media schedule for you and for the team could be something that would intrude on that. What does it look right now? How is that shaping up? What kind of attention and support are you getting from the local media? Well, Kevin, that's the biggest thing, just staying in our routines. But it's you got to experience that stuff. These these kids have earned it, and uh you know, you get the return, you get that attention, and you just handle it. And but it's a good thing. It's uh, to get that exposure is, I don't know. I, I I think it's good for our region. It's good for the university. It's good for the girls on the team. And so, you know, you just gotta keep your head on straight and uh, do what you're supposed to do, and and then stay focused on the task. And uh, but I remember a couple of years ago when Matt Hasselbeck said. Uh, you know, he's going to the Super Bowl, and they had a big media event, and he said, wow, all you reporters here, does UW not have a volleyball game tonight? And I just thought it was the greatest thing an <laughs> NFL quarterback could say. So, you know, I, I think it's good, if, but you know better than anybody, you've got to handle it. Rank this team versus some of your other teams you've had in the past, your 2005 national championship team, the 2002 team, which played so well. Is this your best team? 
Oh, I don't know about that. I, it, it's got all the intangibles. You know, it, the players are different. Uh, um, you know, we try to pass the same. We try to hit the same. And, you know, you try to do the things uh, that you got to do to put pressure on people. But, uh, you know, this team worked extremely hard. And, and then the thing that maybe separates them is they could tap out emotionally. You know, people that haven't done this stuff don't know how much you have to put into it to really – uh, tap out and, and to grow. And when you've tapped out emotionally and you've given, you're spent and you're exhausted, that's when you really grow as a player and, uh, and you understand situations and you can adapt to situations. So <clears throat> these guys have done it, but, you know, Courtney Thompson, Crystal Morrison, Stevie Mussey, all those guys did it, Sonia, you know. So uh, it's just different time, different place, and, uh, but those intangibles are really important. When you guys set out to start the year and you put your goals together, you knew the Final Four was going to be in your home city, and that was out there. Was that a goal? Where did you guys start with goal setting? Well, we do it the same way every time. Uh, you know, we go through our core values, and those are the most important things. And then we put together a task list, and we call them our big rocks and our little rocks. And uh, and then we have some. You know, if we do this right, we could get to the Final Four and it happens to be in Seattle. And so, you know, our administration stuck their necks out and said, hey, let's go for it. Let's bring the world of volleyball to Seattle. And uh, we got a good following. And sure, you know, I'm thinking, man, this is an opportunity to play in front of our home crowd. But once we did that and talked about it, we never talked about it again. We talked about really, you know, what coaches talk about, the process getting better. And the girls grabbed onto that. But in the back of our heads, for sure, and those thoughts were in my head, you know, if we do this right, we could be in Seattle, which would be a great opportunity. Well, you guys have stuck to that process, stuck to your core values. Congratulations on your success this season. Congratulations on getting to play in front of the home crowd. I think you've done a a favor to your team as well as a favor to the sport of volleyball because the atmosphere should be absolutely electric, should be off the hook, and that's because – a big part of it is because you guys are there. Jim McLaughlin, congratulations. We look forward to seeing you in your hometown in just a couple of days. All right. I hope to see you here. Thanks, Kevin. Cool. Thanks for your time, Jim. Jim McLaughlin, head coach of the University of Washington Huskies. Done a nice job building that program from where it was back in the day. If I'm not mistaken, that was not always a doorstep, but it definitely was not a contender, and then he got there and really turned some things around. So, is it well worse, done, Jim. Is it worse to be a doorstep or a doormat? Doormat. Did I say doorstep? Yeah. I meant doormat. Well, yeah, but which, which would be worse? Would you want to be a step or a mat? I think the mat would be worse. The step, yeah, because just... people are just grinding their feet on you. Yeah. The step, it's not usually pretty quick. Fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I meant like it was a chance for people stone. to step into things. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, <laughs> like tear it out the crap. You know, it's just kind of a step into it. We still have College Volleyball Weekly coming up. That'll be in just a couple of minutes with Brandon and Deb. I want to say thanks so far to Russ Rose, Jared Elliott, and Jim McLaughlin. We still have Kelly Sheffield coming up from Wisconsin. Maybe the biggest surprise. You probably. You picked them. I did. Uh, it was, I tell you what, he's a good young coach, man. Fourth place in the Big Ten. Yeah. 12-8 and eight on the year. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking near 500. Yeah. 27-9 and nine overall, so they only had one non-conference loss. How about that? Kelly Sheffield Good getting it done with the, the badges. The badges. The badges. The pesky badges. I used to have an uh, aunt and uncle up there in Wisconsin, and we would go up and visit Madison. 
I did, I had a pair of Milwaukee, a pair of Madison. I remember going to a UW game, football game, as a kid. Just like, wow, this is awesome, man. Look at the W on the field. <laughs> Squeaky cheese and beer. That's a good oh, call right there. Oh, man. <laughs> we need to do a Final Four mascot challenge? Uh, we should. We meant to do it last week with our Elite Eight, but we've got to do it. So who, we have Huskies. Yes. Huskies. Badgers. Lions. Badgers. Nittany Lions. Yep. Regal Nittany Lions. And who am I forgetting? The Longhorns. Then the Longhorns. Vivo. Well, Vivo looks... No natural disasters in there, by the way, so it's not not an easy pick for me. (laughs) So we have have Badgers and Longhorns. Speaking of natural disasters, one of the best college mascots that I've heard of recently, King... Uh, Neptune, college, no. no, no, King College. I think it's in Tennessee. Yeah, the tornado, and it's not tornadoes. Just one King Tornado. Oh, oh like a, the King of Tornadoes? Just King Tornado. Is it like, named Ditka? I'm, I'm the bad. I'm the badass tornado. <laughs> they're, they're part of that conference, Carolinas. How cool is that name? The King Tornado. King Tornado. Awesome. I don't know. Really big tornado. <laughs> Just one. You're not even like mega or ultra. We're or used to like extreme. cyclones. I don't know how you have several cyclones because if, if one is spinning next to the other, I think you're going to end up in an updraft they or can't, something. They cancel themselves you're out. You're going to end up in the jet wash. You're going to go into a flat spin. Jet wash. Imagine, and imagine if they're spinning opposites going up together. It's well, that would, be a, that would be a cyclone and a hurricane or a typhoon and a hurricane, wouldn't it? Because isn't a cyclone and a typhoon the same thing? No. One spins they the other way. They would call them the same thing if they were the same No, thing. one spins the other way. Because it's on the other part. Is of the that world. what separates it's them? In the other, it's in the other part of the world. That's why it spins a different direction. Hey oh, hey oh! Look at science, Jeremy. Wow! <laughs> Welcome everyone. Little fat, <laughs> little fat science, Jeremy. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> I love in the book that we have little fat Jeremy. I think he's on page one. Actually. Yeah, we found him. By but the way, I don't think skinny in shape Jeremy made it in there anyway. That's all right. Super bummed that we're not playing ball. I threw the challenge out there. Gardhoff and I were ready to go, and you guys did not even bother. What responding. today? Yeah. When? I threw it out on the Facebook page a while ago that we would challenge you guys, and that the losers would pay for shellbacks, and you guys. Did I'll not. pay for shellback right now because I can't jump. So. <laughs> <laughs> could you no just, problem. I'll pick could up you the just bill. stand at the net. I will run down everything in the background. Wait, I could. I could stand at the net. Yeah, I might. I me. might even block Jay. I don't for old time's sake. Listen, standing on the ground. Listen to me. <laughs> I, I tell you what. I don't even know if Gardhoff's healthy. I think I'm the healthiest one in this whole group. Gardhoff's good. I think the wife had shoulder surgery recently. I thought he had surgery, didn't he? He, he did, did have shoulder he, surgery. I think he's healthy back. now. He's, and he's got the, the Steve Timmons, the early 90s Timmons hair just flowing. Yeah. flowing. If he dyes it red, he could go straight red. Right <laughs> and I have actually now been too. cleared to resume all volleyball activities. Seriously? Your, your ankle's good? Yep. Oh, my God. We, next time we are, we are going out and we are playing and the losers pick up shellbacks. I have been cleared to resume burning of rubber all around Redondo Beach. You That's what I have been this, cleared to do. And this little rice rocket car you got yeah. going on. He talked about it last week and, like, the next day he had it. Nice. Yeah. They were literally, like, it was like a day or two later, right? I had driven it on Sunday. I mentioned on the show on Monday I picked up this car on Thursday. <laughs> How do you fit in that thing? <laughs> Beautifully. Really? No kidding. I have five inches of headroom. What? Yep, and wow. I and I'm actually one forward on the seat. Wow, huh? It is a fantastic. It's a. It's and by one door. forward on the seat means nobody can sit behind them. But yeah, whatever. that's true. My that's son true. Max sat there yesterday, and I asked him, Max, how you doing? I'm all the way back. Are you, you good? He goes, Yeah, no problem. Wow, nice. nice. And how tall are you? Six two. Six six. <laughs> I was, like I said off air, disappointed that when I showed up today, there weren't 
red cones and a yeah. rally course set up in the <laughs> I street. Was, I was there, looking forward to There's it. speed humps down your street, but there's no <laughs> rally course. There is definitely some rubber. If you go to Julia Field, which is right next door here at Alta Vista Park. I hope there's no cops listening. They have, yeah. they have a, an oval uh, parking lot. Okay. There's one entrance. There's nothing in the parking lot. It's not that big. It's maybe 8,000, 9,000 square feet. Nothing in the parking lot except for tire tracks now. Exactly. And there was, no, there was one car at the very end and some people practicing soccer. And Kevin hit it. So, <laughs> and Kevin scared the little kids. We come into the parking lot, second gear, because I can't wind it out yet. You've got to break the thing in for 1,000 right. miles. Right. So I can't wind it out just yet. But I come in, second gear, wah, wah, boom, wah, around the corner, and then go down there, wah, 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 around the next corner, did two laps. I saw the second time as I'm coming down the second lap, they're all like looking like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what is that grown adult doing? What is even better is that he is a grown adult, and yet he reverted back to his inner eight-year-old child yeah. when he made the car noises and the skids. That yeah. Was oh, sweet. yeah. That was sweet. And I'll have you know, you cannot get this car sideways. You, you cannot get it to float. It's all-wheel drive. Were you trying to Tokyo drift it? You, you can't. I need drift tires to do it. It's all-wheel drive. It's not like a Mustang. I can't go sideways at one second. Like... You know, rear-wheel drive, no grip, no suspension, no whatever. How much are you going to hate driving manual in Los Angeles? I get the truck if I'm really going somewhere. Or the Prius. We still have two cars. Oh, I, I tell you okay. what. I um, Recently, I almost purchased a car, and I wanted a stick because it was a little GTI, and I wanted that thing so bad. And yeah. I, I haven't driven a stick in yeah. 20 years, but you get behind the wheel of one, and you're just like, oh. Yeah. But in California, like, your leg would fall off because you're constantly <laughs> pushing the clutch. Yeah, constantly. You, you can't have a performance vehicle and have it be even positronic unless it's like a Porsche. Porsche does a great job with their... Paddle shifters. Paddle shifters, oh, yeah. Positronic yeah. shift. Porsche does a great job with that. But the green Mustang, the picture I put up just recently when I had the green Mustang, is a GT. It's supposed to be good, right? I'm trying to rip the tires off it. I'm trying to burn it up. Even in positronic, you can't get enough RPMs with the, the transmission they have to cut it loose. It just won't go. Hmm. And the same thing with the chargers and stuff, even souped-up chargers that I've driven. You can't, unless you have a stick, you can't manage the power enough to break the wheels. I bet you he got loose in that gold Camry, though. <laughs> so next week, Kevin's car will be in the shop. I'm going to come back. It's going to have racing decals and flames yes. on it. Huge muffler. Definitely yeah. Asian characters in the Mod- back window. Modified. Yes. Several people offered me Hello Kitty products when I posted <laughs> it on Facebook. <laughs> Awesome. And I Start didn't know. Off, get him up with the Hello Kitty references, please. Oh, that's great. I didn't know that I'm now a member of a community because I'm driving down the street here by my house. Nobody else in the street. Me going one way. Somebody else going the other way. Here comes a souped-up Civic. You can hear it. Coming the other way. As we're about to go by each other, he goes, wah, 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 and, and then goes. Like, hey, bud. That's how he says hello. Yeah, that's like motorcycles. Wow. You know, you got to put the, yep. the two fingers down, yep. you know? Yeah. That's the, the salute. you got to rev it up. My son is dying for me to put a full exhaust on it already. And my oh, wife's like, it's already so loud. I can hear it like in the garage. I'm like, wait till it has an exhaust on it. She's are like, you going to? You're not doing that. I'm like, you better believe I'm going to get a big throaty glass pack on there. Well, it's got, it's got four. It's got uh, twin tips wow. on each side. So they make some, some bossy ones. How old is your oldest son? 11. It's perfect. For I was going to say, a few more years. He's, he's looking at this car like, Oh, he's yeah. pumped. Believe me, he's pumped. First of all, or in about three months when he gets mad at Kevin, he's like, stop revving the engine, Dad. <laughs> my kids told me that this. Subaru, I wasn't allowed to buy a Subaru. You need to buy the truck because it's a donkey car. You can't. Subarus are donkey cars. A donkey car? I'm what like, is that reference? Well, he actually said dorky. I thought he said donkey. I like donkey better. <laughs> but I'm like, wow. what do you mean a dorky car? He goes, but they're dorky looking. They're stupid. And then I brought this car home. They hadn't seen it yet. 
I brought this car home. It's got a big wing on the back and stuff. And it's all it's the hot blue. It's the rally blue. No gold rims though. I didn't have the gold rims. You know that's his that's his wife saying to the, to the kid later on. You know it's a dumb car. Yeah. Dad's gonna get a stupid car, and that's what he totally <laughs> said. He's like, "That's a dumb car, Dad." Or a donkey. Yeah, oh, no. doesn't, he doesn't know. Mom, mom will drive it just as fast. Will she really? Oh yeah. Oh, get mom awesome. on a go kart track, she'll whip all y'all. That's I'm, I would not doubt. There's it. tons of drink references going on right now. <laughs> you can throw that out there. We'll, we'll have the NetLife K1 Challenge. My wife will destroy. ninety percent of the field. She can't get me, but she'll get you guys. That sounds like fun. That's, uh, I think we should Let's go right after the show. I'm if in. I didn't have a Clippers game, I would go right if now. If I wasn't going to play beach volleyball today, I would totally go. I'm going to play anyway. Excuses, excuses. By myself. All right, we got our uh, other two callers here. <laughs> yep. We've been in association with an association for quite some time. We've carried it through this entire women's season. This is probably going to do it unless we run one Friday during the special convention show previewing the finals. This is ABCA College Volleyball Weekly, a look at what was and a preview of what will be in the world of college volleyball all year long. We've been pleased to welcome Brandon Rosenthal and Deb Static to this show. They brought us lots of knowledge and insights as to how it's going to go down. And Deb has been a little bit more reliable than Brandon, but we sure like his <laughs> opinion. Welcome in, Deb and Brandon, once again. Guys, you there? Yeah, what's up? I'm here, and I just want to let you know I've got all four teams right in my Final Four. So, no, you did. Suck it. it I, I think on. his age and experience is showing in the postseason here, guys. <laughs> well, Deb, you let family ties get in the way picking Illinois to make the Final Four. You cannot be blinded by your ties to the team. I know. That, was, that was a little bit on the rough side. <laughs> Did yeah, you ever sit down with your sister afterwards and be like, look, this is really messing up with uh, my net live stint, so uh, we're going to have to take this out on oh, you later? We're going to have to work this out. No, I I actually could not even go down for the matches this weekend, so I'm kind of feel, feeling like I jinxed it by not being there. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't know what happened with that one. I still have not gotten the, the full report from Katie. It'll be interesting to see what she, she has to say. In the next well, week Deborah, home. I want to ask you this because I've heard some rumblings about it, about that bottom left side of the bracket and people talking <laughs> about, boy, it would have been nice to see in that bracket either Washington or USC or Stanford or Penn State or Texas and Nebraska, one of those teams ending up in that bracket so you didn't end up with a Wisconsin-Purdue matchup, which featured the number four team, and I think Purdue was number six, if I'm, if I'm right offhand here, in the Big Ten. Uh, mm-hmm. What's your feeling on the construction of that lower left bracket? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing to me isn't necessarily that there weren't quality teams down on that half of the bracket. It's that Florida got knocked out so early. So, you know, we're really looking at being not stuck with, but having a Florida State or a Wisconsin or an Illinois being the team that comes out of there. So I think I think the setup of it's absolutely fine. I just think the teams that everyone expected to win, like Mizzou and Florida, just dropped out way earlier than anybody was anticipating, and it kind of put us in a position where we might feel like the top teams aren't necessarily in the Final Four. But you know, to that argument, the top teams don't always make the Final Four because it's about way more than just talent when you hit this part of the season. Brandon, we should have picked uh, an intern here to go through and figure this out, but I'm wondering, when was the last time you saw the kind of competition 
in the semi or in the quarterfinals there that we had this past weekend. Penn State and Stanford going 3-2, Washington and USC going 3-2. It seems like an incredible level of competition to have in that quarterfinal. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what the tournament's all about, and and it's one of those years that it kind of all came together, you know. Um, <clears throat> I was in Lexington on Friday, so I got to see Stanford and uh, uh, Penn State, you know, win their matches there, and I mean, it's fun, you know, and, and you get on these chat boards and you see, oh, what a travesty, and this, that, and the other. You know what? At some point, you're going to have to beat a good team, so it doesn't matter you know, what side of the bracket in, or what pod, whatever, you know, this is to get to the final four. So if people are complaining and things like that, it's like, who did they want to play? I mean, who should they have played? I mean, it, it, it's crazy to me, all this talk to get to the final four, you know, it's like, oh, whatever. I thought it was great. Uh, it was fun watching and seeing the scores going back and forth. You know, <clears throat> group texts were blowing up on uh, a Saturday, and and uh, it was great volleyball. And you know, the four teams that are in it, uh, it, it's pretty special. You know, I think you've got uh, Wisconsin who is playing great, and you know, hats off to Kelly Sheffield. If anybody is really taking a look at what that guy's done, he did it at Albany, he did it at. Dayton and now Wisconsin. I mean, uh, it takes a lot to do what he's doing, and uh, you know you got to give him props. And then obviously, obviously Washington being down 0-2. So fun weekend of volleyball, and and I think it's a, a great Final Four. Deb, I mentioned earlier in the show with uh, Texas and Nebraska that Texas has beaten them six of eight times, and a couple of those coming in the Elite Eight. It, what is it about Texas that they sort of own Nebraska at the moment? Yeah, and, you know, that one, I I think that Texas is a more physical team. I know that they have a lot more experience this year. I think historically it might have to do with the mental part of it. You know, they used to be Big Ten teams, and for the longest time Nebraska had their number. But, you know, recent years Texas has just been running the table, and you have to wonder if that's not just sitting in the back of Nebraska's head, you know, even that underdog mentality or just getting so jacked up that they have to win this match and that they're going to win and it's going to be their chance, that kind of stuff can get into your head and keep you from just playing your game. So I think in, in this one we kind of saw their young players just didn't come to play, and I think the experience is what did it this time, but historically I think it's maybe just that mental that mental side of things. Brandon Rosenthal, give me your thoughts on the upcoming Final Four matchups. We have USC facing off with, or pardon me, Washington facing off with Penn State. I'm looking at my bracket, which is an absolute mistake to do. Uh, USC facing off with, uh, Washington facing off with Penn State, for goodness sakes, pull it together, Barnett. And Texas facing off with Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, I, w- I was impressed with Penn State, and, and I thought, you know, going into it that they were just going to straight dominate, and uh, they didn't. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, again, you're getting into that final eight or elite eight and sweet 16 matches, and, you know, what I was impressed with is just their overall play, you know, top to bottom. They never, you know, some of that is rust, and uh, it never gets too excited, and, you know, it, it's kind of like, hey, we're here, we know what we need to do, and uh, I think Penn State is the team. You know, it'll be fun to watch Penn State going up against Washington in Washington's backyard. Uh, that should be neat. I think it should help the crowd. I'm sure the NCAA is absolutely 
just ecstatic about it, uh, you know, to have a Pac-12 team in, uh, but also to have Washington in, you know, that uh, that's going to help out a lot. But I think, you know, the way I look at it, Texas, Penn State, and uh, I'm going to take Penn State. Uh, I took them all year long. I've been very impressed with them. Uh, having seen them live, uh, I'm even more impressed. I thought, like I said, I was going to see a straight domination. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, but what I did see was just calm, cool, collected. Hey, you know, something didn't go our way. We'll get this next point. And uh, I think that uh, you'll see Penn State holding the trophy. Deb. Yep. Um, Tell me about these final four matchups. Yeah, you know, looking at that Penn State-Washington one, I think you hit it spot on. Penn State just has that take-care-of-business mentality. They've just they've been there. They've done that. They kind of know what it takes to obviously play in the finals and win the finals. But after that, after that USC match with Washington, there's something to be said for that level of grit, you know, to get knocked down on their home court that early. And then to fight back, that's a that's a invaluable skill in the tournament. And I think, you know, I think Penn State's going to win too. I think they're just too good. But you know, if we find ourselves in a situation where Washington kind of starts catching fire and maybe maybe they knock Penn State off their rhythm, I think Washington has the grit factor going in their favor a little bit more than Penn State does. So I think it's going to be a a duel either way you slice it. What about Texas and, then and on Wisconsin? Other side, you know. Wisconsin, it's it's exciting that they've made it. I think they're a great team. It's a great, like you said, we have the Big Ten team. We have the Pac-12. We got Texas defending national champions. I think it's kind of cool to have an underdog in the mix. You know, it gives it gives people someone to cheer for. It kind of gives that glimmer of hope to teams that aren't necessarily those top dogs every single year that you can go into the tournament and walk out with a really, really deep postseason run. But I think Texas is just a little bit too physical. You know, Wisconsin has that undersized outside hitter in Demi Morales, and she's great, but I just don't see her being able to post her usual efficiency um, when she's going up against the side of Texas. All right, so both you guys have Penn State and Texas taking on each other in the finals. Rose has Penn State. Deb, who do you have? I'll, I'll go Texas just to split it. All right, Texas. So Texas defends their national championship. Uh, it is amazing what Texas has done. I, mean, I look it up, and it's four times – this will be their fifth trip to the Final Four, but if they make the championship game, it would be their fifth trip to the championship game in the last few years. Uh, simply remarkable what Jared Elliott has done with that crew. And, and Brandon, you're a coach. What do you see from Texas? Is this coaching? Is this recruiting? Is it uh, when you're having this much success, just uh, a proliferation of both? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think more than anything, it's just Jarrett and his staff and, and their style, you know. Uh, obviously, they're a confident bunch, but they're also very relaxed, you know. Uh, it was kind of funny. They showed a scene after the match, and, uh, you know, Jarrett was cutting up and making jokes and things like that, and, uh, you know, I think he said something about let's take showers or something like that uh, after the, you know, the uh, crew, the ESPN crew was in there and everybody kind of looked at it. He, of course, he was joking and whatnot, but uh, you could tell some of the girls were kind of looking around like, what? Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's great. You know, I think, uh, you know, you've got a great group of coaches here. Uh, but I think right now Texas is doing a fantastic job. Uh, I had a chance last year to sit down with Jarrett uh, the night before the finals. Uh, I was with some friends that knew him, and uh, it was kind of interesting because he was 
you know, I knew Jarrett and, uh, you know, but aren't buddy-buddy with him. But it was great to kind of sit down with a coach that's about to play in the final, and he was running through the semifinal. And uh, it was neat for a young coach as myself to kind of hear that perspective. And, you know, it's a lot of the same things. But, uh, you know, I think it's just the confidence. You know, you saw what Penn State did on their run, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, it's crazy to talk about their run like it's over. I mean, they're going to be back in the Final Four. But, you know, when you're at that level and you're just, you know, you win matches before they're even played a lot of times because of that confidence. All right, guys, anything we've missed or should touch on in preparation for the Final Four? I think, you know, I think you've got to look at uh, – while I do think it's Texas, I think Wisconsin is one of these teams that uh, I think Sheffield does a great job of getting ready for these big matches. And, you know, the setter in Carlini is phenomenal. I think uh, it's going to be really neat to see her on that stage. And I think everybody's going to start to recognize how special a player she is. I do not think that that match is going to go 3-0. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a battle. I do think Texas wins in the end. But I think Wisconsin is that gritty enough uh, to really cause some troubles. Uh, so I wouldn't, you know, won't be surprised to see if it goes four or five. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to second that. I think Carlini is one of, obviously, one of the best setters in the nation. I think she can create offensive looks for players and put her team in a situation where they can score. So I think seeing her go up against this physical Texas team, it'll kind of be interesting to see how she responds as a player and if she's still able to make those great choices, if she can still get her players, her undersized hitters, her her middles in positions where they're scoring, I think it'll be it'll be fun to see her going up against that. Fantastic, Dev Static and Brandon Rosenthal. Make sure you block out your calendars. We're going to do a little net live dinner on Friday night, so block it off. The show is going to be from three to five local time. It'll be West Coast time there from. Seattle from the Gold Medal Squared booth. It'll be brought to you by Court and Spark, which will premiere that evening. And after that premiere is over, we will be headed for dinner. Awesome. Suck it. Love it. Great. Love it. Great. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Devin Brandon. We'll see you in just a few days. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. College Volleyball Weekly coming to a close here. We will probably have Devin Brandon around for that show. So we may have one more episode of College Volleyball Weekly before the season is over. If you're a fan of this program, remember the schedule is this. We have our program today. We have a special convention show, one of our best every year, coming up on Friday because we have so many people access to the entire volleyball universe. We will then retire for 2014 or for 2013. We'll be back in 2014 on January 6th with our first show of the year in which we will issue our Netty Awards. Jay, reigning fifth man of the year. Yeah, what number? Know. What number do we bring that to now? Because it was really just two of us. <laughs> so the third, fourth. Dustin's going to win an award, but I tried to tell him the other day you need to show up to more than ten episodes in one year. Ooh, how's his crowdsourcing campaign going to get him to the final four? You know, I told him the best way to get to the final four is go online to AlaskaAir.com. <laughs> <laughs> they are giving. Gonna... They will give you a ticket. I thought you were going to say practice, practice, yeah, practice. Yeah, that but... too. <laughs> we have had some staff cuts. We it might be third man of the year. And uh, and there could be some names that you would think would be part of the regular NetLive staff that will only be up for third man of the year, and I don't think we'll win the award. But mm. yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, I was flipping through Gard Hoff's 
amazing gift that he gave us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came across one of the collages, and um, it reminded me that Reed at some point it was earlier this year had said that he was taking us to a Taylor Swift concert. He did. And that, that didn't happen. I remember that yeah, because that I did. asked if I was going to go. Yeah, not that I wanted to go see Taylor Swift, but, you know, promise is a promise, right? Don't don't lie. You know Suicide Doors are thinking about making a little Taylor Swift uh, remix mashup. Hey, that would not, <laughs> then I would listen to it then. It, you're going to be spending the night at the basketball game, and all of a sudden somebody's going to hear a little twi- <laughs> Taylor Swift reference. It's coming. <laughs> listen for it. Those are nice rims you got there on that car, Kevin. Yeah. Very sweet. Matt Gardhoff is on point right now. He's got my senior photo with a Hello Kitty shirt, and now Sean Manzi has put up a picture of a white Subaru with pink rims. <laughs> you guys are on it right now. You so guys are on. Yes. on it. Outstanding. Speaking of... Where's um, uh, uh, Pretty? You promised me he'd be on the show today. I'm sorry, Ken Stephenson. When, when will we know if he's making Seattle? Like Thursday? <laughs> Who knows? Remember, is Reed going? Well, exactly la- last, week, last week he referenced that he might, but he Ooh. doesn't book tickets till the last minute, so I didn't know what day like we would find out. Where is he now? At home, probably sitting around, waiting for a ride. In or Orange golfing. County? Or golfing. In Orange County, living it up. Oh, yeah. How'd that go last week, by the way? Do you know? I have not heard. I haven't seen photos. Um, they could still be recovering. Their social media presence is not as high as I'd like it to be. Well. Who's this? Some of us know how to do social media. Some of us don't. The Saints and Sinners Golf Tournament, Ryder Cup style, we previewed last week here on the program. Ah. And it was uh, Jake Gibb, Sean Rosenthal, captaining some teams. We had Tyler Hildebrandt involved, called in. Reed Pretty actually made the squad this year. Made the Sinners, oddly enough. I don't know. Maybe we haven't heard because Reed didn't do very well. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. It. Lost it for his team. Yeah, you have to have a memory like a cornerback. You know, you just, uh, whatever. <laughs> Did that tournament even happen? I don't remember. That's awesome. How much fun would that be? That's, those are some good points I thought that Brandon and Deb brought up. And I I think, uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with both of them. Wisconsin's one of those teams. I'm, I'm not so sure I want to face them right now. They're, they're in that. feeling good about themselves, They've right? got nothing to lose, everything to gain. Their setter, scary enough, is a freshman. Carlini, am I am I mistaken, Barney? I think she's I'd a have freshman. to look it up. But she's young, and that's and I, I haven't heard her name bounced around before. So, if that is the case, you've got a quarterback on that team that is just fearless and is going to. I don't know. I don't want to see them across the net. I like a lot of the quotes we got in there. Jared Elliott haven't seen them too much. <laughs> Jim, don't know much. <laughs> Jim McLaughlin about Penn State. We don't know much. Don't uh, Russ me. Rose. Uh, Russ Rose, well, I, I don't know too much about Washington. I'm working on the tape. I fell asleep during the match. <laughs> like, <laughs> I still think the quote from Russ is about weed being legal in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to make the intro. That's, that has to make the intro. What you get a feel for is that these guys, they don't know these opponents well right now. They will, obviously. Well, but going in, you get the matchup. It's it's some work to put that together. I, you know, I, 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 would, I would agree that they're probably not watching video on the other teams over the course of the year, but don't let the smooth pace fool you. Those guys definitely are on top of their game. Hey, no, 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 no doubt. On. But I like, I think it was Jarrett that said it. We don't change much. Yeah. We do the same routine. And, and, I, and I wish, I wish that had been the case on the national team years ago. There was a different attitude. As soon as it was a different opponent or a better opponent, some assistant coaches would flip out and start giving you so much information. You're like, I don't really care. Don't you want to make the other team stop what you do? And then if they do, well, then you can adjust from you there. You want to worry about if what you're you good do enough. well. 
Yeah. What do we do well? Yeah. I can control me. Yeah. Ish. You know, let's let's us be good, and if we play to our level, we'll win. Yeah. Let's have the confidence in that. Let's us be good. Let it, that's you know, and, that, and like that's it. that's the quote that uh, that a lot of coaches use is that like know, we all strive to be great, but great shouldn't be the focus in volleyball. It's not the teams that are great that are the ones that win most of the times. It's the teams that put together good strings of long, uh, good strings of just good play. And those are the teams that time, right. out, time and time out are going to be more successful. Make a lot of good plays, yeah. not a few great plays. And, this, and the sad thing is, to, to non-volleyball fans, just good volleyball is not fun to watch. It's good pass, good set, good Still swing, done. Todd. Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. boring. Yeah. But to but the volleyball so fans, yeah, to the coaches, uh-huh. that's where the greatness just starts coming out because you're just watching good teams beating each other up. So. Well, we should ask, this is a question I've asked other coaches before, but if we have so many coaches at convention, it's always, what is a scouting report worth in points? Points in a match. You spend all this time putting together this scouting report. What are you doing it for? How many points are you earning with this thing? I think it's like three. Really? That Over a match. But do you think it's just points, though? It's just knowing your opponent more? That had you not had the scouting report, that player doesn't make that block move. Doesn't read the play and make that block move. How, do you, how would you, though, be able to count for those points? How do you, quanti- how do you quantify yeah, how it? Do you I don't quantify know. It? I don't what know if how it's you that one point at the end where you're like, oh, at the end of the match, this player always hits this direction, and you don't sure. normally block that, and you're like, boop, well, sure, game well, over. And at the college level, maybe it's more of a difference because players are more patterned. At the international level, I always loved when somebody would say, oh, we always hit angle. I'm like, you don't think you can hit the line? Yeah. The guy plays internationally. He's one of the top players on the team that's in the top ten in the world. You don't think he can hit line? And then when you get further down, they'd give us some scouting report on Barbados. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> Tell me who they said a lot. Tell me who they said a little bit less. Yeah. Those two guys, that's all I care about. Yeah. I don't even care who jump serves. I don't care where they hit it. I could give a rat's ass what's going on on the other side of the court. Yeah. If we play even to half of our ability, we will win. Let's make sure we play to all of our ability. Now, of course, at 23, I couldn't articulate this and make it make any sense or have it not be hostile. But <laughs> <laughs> Not that right now he wasn't hostile. I would have liked to have known Little Hostile Kevin. <laughs> it was more like Big Hostile Kevin. Little well, Fat Jeremy little and Little Hostile Kevin. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> uh, I, my nickname, we went on a, a, a rafting trip right before the 2000 games, and somehow we ended up putting nicknames on the helmets with names on tape. I ended up with, uh, with Short Fuse, I think was what... <laughs> What it, what it well, was. At least everybody knew what to expect from you. Uh, yeah. yeah, appropriate. And then Sullivan and I actually played a Finiente tournament later, and we were a team. We were Team Stubby Fuse because he was stubby and I was the Fuse. Wow. Nice. And, wow. and we dominated. And of course, Eric, of course, Eric, of Eric, course you did. Eric did a little butt dance on the tiny table. I well, dominated. You were, you were a product of Marv Dunphy learning how to play Finiente. That's why. That's right. Yeah, That's right. The, the game invented. Didn't Walt, didn't Walt Chamberlain... Yeah, he's involved in the in the Creation. birth. Yeah, yeah. Huh. he's in the origin story. Obs- Will Chamberlain, a main character in the origin story of Finiente. The, well, or, the obscure fact right there. Uh, yeah, I, I think for me, I worry about me and and my team. That's who I'm worried about going into a match, or I'm concentrating as a player, on though, prepping. Would it be the coach's responsibility to look at the other team too? Like as a player, like, absolutely. You don't necessarily want to pile too much stuff on them. That's and there That's you go. A challenge. There you go. Yeah. Being a good filter is tough. Yeah. Jay? I, I absolutely agree. The, the, 
the scouting reports that I've either done or heard over the years changes with the, with the degree of education level, so to speak, of the team. Hmm. So with an experienced team, you don't need to, to force feed a ton of stuff. You pick and choose a, a few small things. We're going to key on this kid. We're going to worry about this over here. But the reality is we're more or less looking at game time stats where – Hey, this passer is only hitting or only passing a, you know, like as the match is going. Yeah, on. you want. Hey, let's let's focus our serves on this guy and this seam instead of saying at the beginning this is all we're going to do. The adjustments are made more game time. Or hey, this guy, you know, out of system, they're only going here. Let's make sure we key in on this. But yeah, you can, you, with young kids, you know, what really even uh, makes me laugh even more. You go to juniors tournaments now, and you see these coaches of fourteen-year-old kids, and they have got complete scouting reports of every team that you are facing now. Granted, I think it's good that you're a coach that has some information. Maybe, yeah. maybe some of those coaches are keeping that information for themselves so that they know when they, when they have to call a timeout or whatever, hey, uh, let's remember this. This is a good thing to key in on. But man, oh man, the in-depth information that some of these coaches that are new to the game are giving these kids. And these kids are picking their noses and they're worried about <laughs> what flavor ice cream they're going to get later. later. And it's just, it, it blows your mind to think that they're going to retain any of that information. Yeah. It's crazy. Set ball, hit ball. Yeah. Uh, Jay makes a great point. You want your team to be good at in-match adjustments. You want them to be great in a match, not in the boardroom or in the meeting room before the match. Yes. And I think that's one thing. If I look back at the 2000 team, and I'm a younger player and so on, and what that team could do, yeah, they could sit in a scouting report. They couldn't adjust in a match. We did not adjust well to the adversity of a match that you always have. And what is that other team now doing that we can adjust what we are doing. Sure. Because you can't always just overwhelm your opponent with what you do, but you can adjust what you do to, to match them. If you're good in match, you will win a lot more matches than being good in the boardroom before. And one, and one quick point before we go to the next caller. One of the things that, that uh, um, Brandon talked about is, or Jared talked about, is we don't want, or Jim, sorry, Jim McLaughlin, we don't want to be not ourselves. We yeah. still want to be ourselves. Yeah. And so you make the adjustments mid-game without taking yourself so far outside of your own realm that you've lost what your, your main strengths are. That's the delicate balance. Those teams yeah. that are successful. Because you've got to do what the guy Do what you right? do. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Do what you do. Hey, our next guest has been doing what he does, taking programs and making success. 27-9 and nine overall coming into the playoffs this season. 12-8, and eight, fourth in the Big Ten throughout the year. They finished fourth in their own conference, but it hasn't stopped them from being at least fourth in the nation Please welcome into the net live Kelly Sheffield. We've had him here before. Kelly. Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Good. Hey, congratulations. Getting the Badgers to the final four. I'll tell you what, is is this an unexpected result for you this year? Well, I yeah, I can't can't imagine a whole lot of people had Wisconsin making the making the Seattle. Um you know, it's uh we we went into this year, we talked with our team. We knew we had talent. Uh, we knew that we were going to be better. Um, we knew we had some young kids that have been winners their whole lives and, and, and really believed in themselves. And I'm sure you asked the freshmen coming in, they felt like, hey, yeah, we, we win. We're going to win national championships, you know. But we had some some older kids that haven't done a whole lot of winning. And so, you know, when you have those two things, you come in and, and you put a, uh, you know, new coach that comes in and you start saying, all right, this is what I think we can do when you have those those two groups coming in there, somebody's going to be upset. Somebody's going to say, no, nah, that's not possible, or somebody else is going to say, God, that, low, that bar's pretty low. So 
we never talked about uh, outcomes or where we want to finish in the in conference or anything else. We just said, hey, dream big. We're gonna we're gonna you know anything and everything is possible. We've got a lot of talent here. Let's uh, let's work together. Let's handle adversity and uh, and see what happens. And that's kind of the approach we took from day one. You were named head coach in January of this year, as a matter of fact, up there at Wisconsin. So this is your first year. How different is your team from the spring last year to the beginning of the season and now the beginning of the season to the Final Four? Well, it's a lot different. I mean, we, you know, we've added a couple of uh, talented freshmen that are, that are good. Um, you know, but on the other hand, we've, uh, you know, we've had um, – you know, we've had two kids that were probably most people probably had penciled in as starters. There were starters the past couple of years that that haven't played for us this year, and so they, they were here during the spring. But uh, so we've we've added a couple of uh, really nice pieces. We've lost a couple of nice pieces, but but I think the biggest thing is probably our mentality has changed a little bit. We're kind of getting on the same page. We, you know, I, I thought in the spring, you know, we'd play some people and we'd have, you know, the opponents would have a three point run. And, you know, our knees would buckle. I mean, it was just this whole demeanor, you know, head going down, slouched and shoulders and and just not a willingness to, to battle, you know, and, and embrace those battles. And, uh, you, you know, if, if you're not able to do that, the Big Ten is a pretty tough conference to be a part of if, uh, if you're not you know, if you're not able to handle a three-point run by your opponent. And, you know, those things just don't phase us right now. It, it, you know, I think that we've been pretty locked in – I don't know, about the past month or so, you know, we, we get in those uh, situations where our opponents are, are kind of running off some points and and our team just, you know, bring it, let's go. And uh, so for, from that standpoint, it's a lot more fun of, of a group uh, to be working with right now than probably what it was in the spring. There's been a lot of talk about Lauren Carlini, your setter, your freshman setter from Aurora, Illinois, and it's right next to Naperville, for those of you that are counting, from my neck of the woods. Tell us a little bit about Lauren Carlini and the special talent that she is at the setter spot. Well, she's, I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't think I've seen anybody like her. It's, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, there's not too many holes in her game. I mean, she's very, very skilled. She's very athletic. She's got great size. She's, uh, believe it or not, she's a setter that's willing to play defense uh, and actually enjoys it. Um, you know, the, the, uh, all aspects of her game. It's just, it's, uh, she wants to be good. She wants to be a well-rounded player. You know, she spends a lot of time working on her serve and, and her block. And, and uh, you know, her, her first match, she missed most of preseason. That's what's kind of remarkable about it. You know, she had a, uh, she had a leg injury that she's kind of been battling all, all year. Um, that uh, she, she missed the first couple weeks of the season, missed most of preseason. So she goes out and plays her first match. Uh, we win that. We immediately get on the plane. Her and I sit next to each other. She's already watching the film. Um, had one of the assistants download it. Uh, her and I never talked about that. I mean, it's just it's uh, first college match, and she's she she's sitting down watching film on the flight back before we even leave the ground. She's uh, she studies the game harder than any player I've ever had, setter or not setter. It's just you know, and usually a lot of times with young kids, you're having to. You haven't instilled that kind of work ethic, that you know, learning the game, that uh, reading the game, um, uh, part of it, especially for you know that critical position. She, uh, she goes searching for answers herself, and uh, you know she's got uh, she's got a lot of confidence, and she should. She's very talented. She's a confident player, but uh, you know, very very team first kid. She's you know she's uh, uh, we're fortunate to have her. She's uh, she's a heck of a kid. 
Kelly, we had a question coming off the Internet on Twitter. Kevin Hitt wanted to know, will your small outside hitter be a liability versus Texas? My guess is he's referring to junior Demi Morales, who's five foot seven, but put down 20 against Purdue in that quarterfinal on 63 attempts. Um, well, that size is, is a uh, – at, at five foot seven, that's a liability against a good 15-under team. I mean <laughs> – it's, uh, you <laughs> know, who are we kidding? I mean, t- t- Texas, <laughs> there's six foot four kids that, that are having trouble with Texas. And so, you know, it's not just her, you know, the kid that's lined up next to her is 5'11", Dominic. You know, I don't know. It's, it, yeah, if we were trying to play the same game that Texas is playing, then we'd probably have, have some problems. But that's not our game. You know, our game is very different. It's, uh, uh, we are really, really good at what we do. And Texas is really, really good at what they do. And it's just it's two different, very, very different styles of play. Now, will, will it give us some problems? Yeah, it's, uh, there are some times that, uh, you know, that will give us some issues, like it has against uh, Penn State or Nebraska or Minnesota, Michigan State, you, you name it, in, in our conference. It's, uh, you know, there are, some time, there are some issues that we have. But there's also some things that we do that we think uh, give our opponents issues as well. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the identity of this team. What kind of volleyball can folks expect to see in Seattle out of the Badgers? You know, it's uh, we're gonna we're gonna serve, pass, defend. It's uh, we've got a really good setter that can put our hitters into into good situations. It's uh, you know, I think it's 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 a team that wants to battle. That's uh, that embraces those. It's just they're they're tough, you know. And if you can serve and pass and set, you know, you're gonna. You're going to be in some matches. You may not win all of them, but you're going to be in some matches. And when you've got some confidence, I think you're able to do some special things. And, uh, you know, we I don't think we've won a warm-up since maybe the beginning of August, you know, but uh, fortunately that's not how the, the matches are rated. You know, it's just, you know, that if, if people are going to watch and, you know, and they're looking for a good time to go to the concession stand, it's probably why we're hitting. Um that, uh, uh, that come match time, it's going to be, you know, hopefully uh, people respect how hard we play the game. Yeah, because so you are playing the role of underdog, and I wonder what benefits you think there are to playing that role. How can you sur- surprise Texas? Man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's a really good coaching staff and experienced group. I, you know, I don't think you're going to surprise them at, at anything. I think they probably have seen it all. It's just, uh, you know, we're just now starting to watch them some video on them and yeah it's I mean they're they're impressive I mean there's there's no question about it that you know it's um uh you know I don't know it's uh but it's 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 not a level we haven't seen I mean you know we're we're in a pretty good conference ourselves and uh um you know so our kids shouldn't be scared or freaked out or anything else we're going to go there and we're you know our kids are going to believe that they can win the match uh, as they should and uh you know, every single match we've been in this year, we've gone in it to win. We're, you know, we're, our kids aren't just happy about being in the Final Four. I mean, they're fired up about being in the Final Four. There's no question about it. But, uh, you know, the, they're, you know, they're not looking to be spotter for anybody. It's uh, we're going to go out there. We're going to put it all on the line. We're going to see what we can do and and hopefully accomplish something special. What does your travel schedule look like for making it out to Seattle? Uh, we're leaving here in a couple hours, uh, taking a charter flight. We'll be there sometime tonight. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we, we're also in finals. You know, I don't know if some of these other teams are, are in finals uh, uh, or not. But, you know, I don't 
I, I know that we're not alone. There's other teams in the past that have kind of done that. So, you know, you try to keep things as simple as possible, give them some time to study, especially tomorrow. They'll be taking some exams while we're there. And that's kind of one of the reasons why we decided to get out, uh, you know, a day earlier than I think the other two teams are is, you know, they're so they're not spending their entire day tomorrow or today just getting patted on the back that they can get somewhere and be by themselves and, and kind of focus in on that. And then uh, hopefully come Wednesday it's uh, it's all about what we've got to do out on the court. All right, Coach. Kelly Sheffield, in your first season, you're setting the bar awfully high for yourself. Congratulations and good luck. We look forward to seeing you in Seattle and watching that semifinal matchup with the Texas Longhorns. Thanks for your time, Kelly. Guys, thanks for having me on. All right. We'll see you there. Nice charter flight again. Look at that. Charter flying. Jay? Must, must be nice. Go on your rent right now. Just, just no, have no, at it. No. You know, Penn State no men's rant. volleyball, you're not chartering down to our sisters of the poor to play them on a Thursday <laughs> night, are you? I don't know. Did Pepperdine ever charter any flights anywhere? No. No, because you, you never me? traveled outside of conference. Huh? Hey. Ooh, hey. Burn. Whoa. Burn. What? Excuse me. I'm just going to wow. put one up here on the scoreboard. And I, believe, I believe we played Penn State <laughs> in Laval up there in Canada in a tournament. Ah, and, oh, uh, in Rochester. We played against Laval. But we were in uh, Rochester, New okay. York. I played in uh, Canada as well okay. every year. Okay. So, yeah, we did get on some planes there, buddy. Yeah, but you weren't really playing anybody that mattered or that counted. Your matches, those were all in the fall. Those were not during season. <laughs> Once again, I will put another mark in the old uh, Yahtzee calendar there. Hey, I thought Kelly Sheffield brought up some really good points. And, and it, the funny thing is, the, the cliche, Coach, what are you going to do to be successful at the end of the match? Every interviewer does it. It's part of the game. And, it's, and you know, you, you're going to get some, maybe some little nuggets of wisdom here and there. Yeah. Have you ever heard a coach ever say, you know, we're going to serve number 14 as often as possible. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to try no, to No, they're not going to give it away. <laughs> no. I would really, it would be a breath of fresh air. Like Newt Rockney, I think somebody once asked him, Coach, what are you going to do to win this football game? And he said... I'm going to tell the other team the exact play that we're going to run every single time. <laughs> I don't care if they know or not, because if we are bigger, stronger, faster, right, we do right. our job, we're going to win. I think uh, we had a lot of good quotes from these four coaches as we close out our final four fives there. The interview, five minutes with each coach who is in the final four. Uh, my favorite is, go to the concession stand during our hitting warm-up. <laughs> I, I haven't won a warm-up all year. I can, I can appreciate that comment. That's awesome. That is fantastic. Thank you to Russ Rose, Kelly Sheffield, Jared Elliott, and Jim McLaughlin for spending a little time with us today, and congratulations to them, of course. Great interviews. Let's take a short break. We're going to come back and have a little more fun here on the NetLive. Have nice. you posted a picture of that book yet? Yeah. Sorry we're not sorry for having all four Final Four coaches on the show. Sorry about that. <laughs> sorry if we're not sorry for being awesome. Sorry we're not sorry. We'll be right back on the NetLive. Jay... Kevin and Jeremy. We're going to preview the men's season a little bit, Jay. I know you're dying to talk about Ooh. it. Uh, I've got to learn something because I have a bunch of Pac-12 matches to do, so i got nice. to figure something out. It's weird, though. I do Pac-12 matches, but it doesn't really exist. It's an MPSF. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm lost.
from CeeLo's Christmas album from last year that Nicole's boss was the executive producer of. CeeLo is the size of a Muppet. CeeLo is... Like a medium-sized Muppet, not even a big Muppet. There is conversations with maybe people that I know that CeeLo is a little person. He is a little person. Look, he's got four arms the size of my... Never mind. He gets freaky-deaky, though, man. He has a good time. Oh, my God. He's just a... He's kind of scary. Does he smell like cabbage? (laughs) Um, I was... uh, Wow. wow. I was looking up... an awkward turn. Some stats here. Since 1999, the NCAA championship has been won by just six coaches. 14 years. Six coaches in 14 years. Russ Rose has five of those. Mick Haley has two. John Dunning has two. So can we do the math there? Is that making any sense? Am I missing somebody? You've counted nine so far. Yep. Yeah, McLaughlin, Rose, Seeley. Then you have... Seely, Elliott, McLaughlin, all with one. Yep. But that doesn't seem to add up. That's three. That's eight. Twelve. Maybe twelve. Am I missing somebody? Apparently. I must have missed one for somebody because I don't see any other names on the list. You go through. It's Texas, UCLA, Penn State. John Cook. Penn State. Penn State. Did I put Cook? Oh, I forgot to put Cooker in there. That's why. Okay, so it's seven coaches. John Cook is in there with uh, with two wins. So John Cook has those other two wins. There it is. Yeah, and I'd seen him on there. So, uh, pretty, pretty rarefied air right there. I mean, Russ Rose with five, but Mick, John Dunning, Cook. I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing stuff. McLaughlin. You know, <clears throat> Elliott's been in the championship game several times. Mike Seeley's UCLA Bruins didn't even make the tournament this year. Couldn't make the field of 64. Yeah. Just two years later. Rough year. And uh, Jim McLaughlin, they've been in there. Washington's been a contender. You know they've they've had good teams. O two they were good. O five the victory. Yeah, uh, they've been in the tournament each year and been considered one of the top teams. That's a neat place. That that match versus Penn State. You know, obviously bias aside, that's going to be an electric match because uh-huh. Washington is going to just pack that place. Are they playing it in their basketball gym? No, it's in Key Arena. Key Arena. How big is Key Downtown. Arena? Downtown. That's uh, I don't know. Got to be fifteen, sixteen thousand. It's an old yeah. NBA arena. It will arena. be sold out. If I have my media credential, I'll let you know. Ah, you, it might be sold out Kevin? minus one. <laughs> Hang on. That did uh, did either of you guys watch any of the matches this past weekend on TV? Dustin Aval, good friend of the show, he had a good tweet. Mentioned that uh, the lack of volleyball knowledge from the announcers was a little, and I quote, embarrassing. Well, you know, I, I think. Uh, and if you don't want to comment on it, I'll be more than happy to. Go yeah, ahead. Why, why don't you go, go ahead? ahead. Well, I, I didn't watch it, but if. That is true, that the announcers are lacking volleyball knowledge and calling things incorrectly. 
whose job is it to step in there and be like, if we want to do better in the sport, put people in there that know what they are talking about? I think what's happening is, is and, and then, Kevin, you are a little bit more obviously in tune with this than I am, but from what I've noticed, when you watch um, some of these uh, announcers that are being hired by certain networks, they're bringing on people that are not necessarily sports-specific announcers, yeah. so they're kind of generalizing a lot of things, or they bring in somebody who's not a coach, maybe a prior player that played for a few years recently, maybe doesn't understand some but of the jargon, what to look for, yeah, how things true. are. And so what's happening is you're getting this combination of lack of experience or lack of knowledge from either side, and I think that's what's running. What's Aren't there enough on. people out there with knowledge and expertise that you could at least bring have one person in the booth that knows what they're talking yes, about. Yes, but when you get somebody who is uh, announcing a match at Our Lady Tuesday University in the middle of Nebraska, <laughs> you're not going to call up Kevin Barnett and go, hey, we want you to come announce our match. A, because Kevin's not going to go out there to announce Our Lady Tuesday of yeah. Saint. And B, they're not going to pay for him to go out there, so he has to come out in his own dime. It's not going to happen. But if this is on ESPN U and ESPN 3 or 2 or whichever one was on... They're still regional. Yeah, that's true, but There's, it's a na- but it's national. It's like this is your this is what the NCAA is like. Oh, look, here's our big deal of the year. It's look, it's our big tournament. Blah sure. blah blah. But nobody knows what they're talking sure. about. Sure, Kevin, your thoughts. I'd I'd be interested to hear what you think. It doesn't behoove me to beat anybody up. I was actually wondering when uh, when your first of the scheduled three matches are for Penn State men's volleyball against Our Lady of Tuesday. Uh, they're now newly in and the you, conference Carolinas. Do they and, only uh, play on Tuesday? <laughs> They're actually, they play best on Tuesday. Yes, exactly. All right, now here's a question, a, a kind of a ipso facto. Uh-huh. So you have all these announcers that don't know maybe what they're talking about. Is yep. it the equivalent of hiring, hiring Kevin Barnett to do motocross? Probably. No, because Kevin Barnett beginning. knows. Kevin Barnett does the research. <laughs> Please. Uh, Kevin Barnett has a motocross in his garage. Having Kevin Barnett say that Kevin Barnett knows motocross is a <laughs> tagline if I've ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin Barnett knows Motocross. No, here's the deal with announcers, and and you'll find it on the internet. It doesn't matter the sport. It doesn't matter even the level. Everybody hates somebody. It's just that the internet has given voice to people that hate people, and it doesn't benefit me to beat anybody up. I would like to do those regionals for ESPN. There is no doubt. I would like to work more. I'd like to collect a paycheck. I think I am uh, of the quality volleyball announcer that I should be doing those matches. I'll leave it at that. Well, there's a difference, too, between somebody who... Like, I know plenty of people that know how to talk into a microphone, know how to announce, know how to carry a broadcast. But then there's also a difference between somebody that knows what they're actually talking about, if that makes sense. It's how like, you do I can it, do, though. You can't, uh, like, in motocross, so I have a, a level of knowledge that's pretty decent in motocross. And, yeah. and I will utilize that knowledge at times. All too. of our listeners are hammered right now. Yes, they are. And I, and I will do that. But what you have to do is, is, unless it's really a factual-based thing, like, I can say... Ryan Villapoto's won nine races. I can say this guy has finished second seven times, Ryan Dungey to Ryan Villapoto. It's happened seven times. That's factual. Then that's where I have to go to my expert, and I have to ask him about the opinion. Or if I have an opinion, I'll say, Jim, this says to me that Ryan Dungey just can't get it done against Ryan Villapoto. It just seems like he owns him when the chips are down. You've got to check with your expert. But you also have to have a good expert. I think sometimes with some of these guys, they run into a situation where maybe they don't know the sport that well, and they're given a weak analyst. 
who can't really yeah. consolidate information, can't give you a concise, clear vision of what should be done, why it was done, how it was, be, was done, why this is the case. And, that, and then you're really in trouble, and that's when a broadcast can, can really get into trouble. Or you end up with a play-by-play guy. Like if I work with a weak analyst, I can assert myself a little bit more and what I know. It's actually difficult for me to do, more difficult, to do play-by-play on volleyball than it is to do play-by-play on a basketball or a football or, or something else because I don't know those other sports as well as I do volleyball. So I think of the questions to ask. Mm-hmm. With volleyball, I know the answer to just about every question right. you could ask. Yeah. Right. Or I have at least an opinion, an educated opinion on it. So sometimes I don't think the way the viewer might think. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that helps. So if you have an announcer, a play-by-play person who's not that familiar with volleyball, as long as they can carry the pieces and get their research right – if they're able to draw out of a strong analyst, I think that makes a good broadcast. I, I think uh, analyzing a game would be something I would enjoy doing. Would it? Would it be something? Would Would the average volleyball fan who watches it on television, which I think we know there there are two main factions. Obviously, there's fans of the sport and fans that are just browsing. The fans that are just browsing obviously need, I think, a little more. And I use this term endearingly, dumbing down of the information. Something simple, something they can grasp. But if you're talking to your true fans, wouldn't it be interesting to see somebody who knows the game inside and out just running on what they see and talking about what they see and maybe having a little information, some facts, but talking about it like an actual fan would talk about it? You know, you're saying a huge up instead of saying great dig. You know what I'm saying? Or, or he thumped that one. Or that's well, a giant roof. You know, oh. something of that nature where it gets the fan involved rather than that was a nice block by Wisconsin because the two players were there. Instead of just going, that was a huge <laughs> roof. You're talking about style now, though. Yeah, sure. You're, ta- you're talking about style. And Color. lots of times what you're up against with a lot of this and what people don't understand is that Big Ten volleyball, Pac-12 volleyball, they are throw-ins with the contracts for basketball and football. Yes. They are requirements. Yes. And what networks are trying to do is they're trying to service the sport. But they're not going to blow a bazillion dollars servicing the sport. They're going to do whatever they can. They're going to get get by and cut corners however they can, and they're just going to get it done. And you're going to end up with, even at the ESPN level, I think you have contract guys that ESPN has that get 70 events a year. This is your salary. You work for ESPN. Yeah. And one of those events is going to be a volleyball match. And they might yeah. do two volleyball matches a year. They might do one volleyball match a year. And they've got to step in and figure out what's going on, get it on air, and call it. And they're not that experienced of a volleyball broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Now, that's changing a little bit because there's so much volleyball on. I think announcers are getting a lot more reps with the sport. So I think you're going to see that improve. But now you're, you're starting to talk about style and how you carry the style. And there's, a, there's always a blend, for me as a volleyball guy, between trying to service the general fan and trying to service the hardcore fan. And you'll see that in the Olympics where we have an MSNBC match. I'm not going to explain anything, anything basic on an MSNBC match. I'm going to go inside baseball. On NBC, they will tell me deliberately, make sure you explain this or that, or, or they'll get in my ear and say, what is that? You know, I'll say, well, there's a net call or a double violation. Explain the double violation. Because you're on NBC, and there's a bunch of people watching have no clue why right. the whistle blew. Right. So, and the hardcore fan who is then watching NBC and who watched all the MSNBC matches as <laughs> yeah. well gets, oh, why are they explaining this? Right. I think we're at a point this year, and it will come up again because Karch will explain the libero. Sorry, Karch. And somebody will yeah. complain <laughs> about Karch explaining the libero. 
Karch is not going like, oh, man, I better explain the libero right here. There's somebody in his ear saying, Karch, explain yeah. the libero position. Yeah. Because no. at the final four, Sorry, Karch. you have <laughs> people watching that don't normally watch, who yeah. don't know why somebody else is wearing a different color. Yeah. And, and still that's the case. I know it's been 15 years and we still have a libero, but listen, volleyball people, settle the F down. <laughs> okay? Relax. Yeah. Yeah, and it's then, not the end of the world that Karch explains the libero position again. The point explanation of every, you know, how this, the game is scored and every point is, is a point opportunity and the fifth game only goes to eight. Yeah, the average fan doesn't know these things. Well, that's the, a different issue, too, where, like, every volleyball match you watch is different ending score or... It's stupid in my mind. Yeah, that we, that volleyball things. does that. It's yeah. idiotic. Why is the fifth game still the 15th? Stupid. Play it to 25. If you're keeping this structure, just play it all to 25. Really? Make it simple. Each game is played to 25. The first team I don't reach care about the third game, being fit, but like everybody should be. Let's well, all do this. Kevin point. Barnett, calm the f down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think volleyball should do this. First game to 25. Second game to 15. Third game to 18. Fourth game to seven. That's what they do on beach. <laughs> Hater. Yeah. Uh, all right, mascot challenge: Huskies, Nittany Lions, Badgers, Longhorns. Uh, let's pick Huskies and Nittany Lions first. This is a bunch of dogs who are good at pulling things against a cat who looks like he should be wearing a bow tie. Uh, what do we think here? I'm going cat. You're going giant cat. Jay contractually has to pick giant cat. Do you do you even have to ask who would win that one? Okay, so yeah, we're I think you. we're all going giant cat. We're going to yeah. take Penn State, the Nittany Lions. Sorry, Jim McLaughlin. You start a men's team, maybe I'll vote for you next. <laughs> we should have asked him about it. I should have. Uh, hey. Longhorns, <laughs> Longhorns taking on Badgers. This one a little bit more interesting. You have a giant bull, not very good turning radius on the bull, kind of like an 18-wheeler, and the horns are really long. I question its ability to stab anything with said horns, okay. especially things that are low to the ground and very angry and agitated. Here's what I have to say about that. You don't necessarily have to stab them with it. They just get a good swipe with it. You're going to be injured rolling around on the ground, and then that thing just comes and steps on you. Okay, if I get stabbed with a spear, probably that hurts more than getting hit with a rattan, you know, whip. If I hit you in the head with said spear, you're going to be dazed for a second, and then at that point, I'm going to crush you. I'm a badger. I don't even have a neck. How are you going to find my head? It doesn't matter. Is it a honey badger, or Uh is it just a badger? Uh, You know, the the honey badgers just don't give a... You know. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking the Badgers because there's lots of them. Ooh. They're highly agitated. There's no way the Longhorn can fight them all, and eventually they overwhelm the Longhorns. I'm going Longhorn. Wait a minute. Hold on. There's only one, one, one Longhorn and lots of Badgers? Yeah, it's not the well, Texas, it long, it's not the Texas <laughs> Longhorn. The, yeah, it's the true. Long, Texas Longhorn. Point. A lone Longhorn? Yeah. It's Longhorn. Stamp, at this point, right. Stampede. So here we go, yeah. right? Well, so if you have a okay, whole bunch but, uh, of them swinging, they kind of kill each yeah. other with the horns because they're stabbing each other. And we, next thing you know, the Badger's standing there going, what the heck's going on? I think the likelihood of, yes, friendly fire <laughs> inside the Longhorn's <laughs> ranks is much higher than that of actually doing damage to Badgers. <sighs> I think we've got to limit this to like 10 of each. I think you can't have fine. a... I've ne- ten Longhorns are going to crush ten badgers. First of all, I've never seen ten badgers. I've never seen a herd of badgers. You've never going seen a badger. What? You've never seen a badger. Period. Someone on the on the uh, chat board, please. What is a group of badgers known as? Please. <laughs> not a parliament because that's owl. No, that's right. Very good call. Actually, it's not a gaggle because it's, it's not a murder. Geese. It's not a murder. A murder it's not of crows. crows. Yeah. Wow. It's not a plethora. Yeah. Or it could be a plethora. What is a plethora? A, a lot. lot. A fish. <laughs> <laughs> 
This school of fish. Well, there is a lot. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go with Spell the longhorns, and here's the reason why I'm going to go with F- the longhorns. You ready for this? U- Here it is. So the so badgers no. are going to go at it. They're going to be underneath. The longhorns are going to friendly fire themselves, and they're going to knock each other out with the horns. They're going to fall flat onto the badgers and crush them with their dead weight, and then wake You're up. You're telling like, me a yes. badger, which is agile it's going and agitated, is going to have a it's going to get crushed. A, okay, hold on. How's it going to get close enough? Don't vote, because I've voted Badgers. You have voted Longhorns. We, we have already to know have what Jay's voting. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to him right now. No, because here we go. Listen, listen. You saw Chris Farley tip over the cow. Yes. There's no way two Badgers looking up, watching Chris Farley tip the cow, wait while the cow falls on said Badger. They're faster than that. If you've already said that they're going to stab each other to death. They're going to kill kill. They're at least going 70%. to be in Washington, hanging out with Russ Rose in the uh, corner of the room, having some extracurriculars, and will be too slow to move. How? Therefore, they will get crushed. So you're voting big? Longhorns. I'm going Longhorns. Uh, I, I am Longhorns. How big are said Badger's teeth? Because here's the next thing you need to know. Even if the Longhorn is lying on the ground, can the Badger really get through its skin? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Look at that thing. Yeah. Look at. He's pissed. Look at him. He's, yeah, well, you know, that's bad, angry. First of all, that's not real. Angry. There's no way that's real. That is real. He, that, that's a badger. That's oh, yeah. like Dracula teeth. They that's a badger. Actually, they are actually that. That's really? They they're like, mean little critters. What do you think it was? A chinchilla? Yeah. <laughs> We're making coats later. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I didn't realize that it had... These guys are cute, but they're look, like two weeks old. Look, those humans are holding them and cuddling them. They're, they're two toast. weeks old. They're Have toast. you seen a honey badger? Have you seen that video? That thing Look at this thing. That is a rabid dog. He plays, he plays for the, the Arizona Carolina. Cardinals. Yeah, he got hurt, though. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. It's unfortunate. Oh, He's having a great year. Look at this thing. This thing is P.O.'d, Jeremy. It's uh, going to bite you. Oh, my goodness. Garthoff it's going to bite your face a off. a group of badgers are called a C-T-E-T. Or a C-E-T-E. C-E-T-E. Yeah, is it Espanol? Or yeah, look right. at this. Is it Sete or is it Seat or is it C-T? That thing's nasty looking. Yeah, that is... That is a mean animal right there. Is that there. a helmet on its head? Look at, Look at claws. the claws. Yeah. Now pull up a longhorn. Is that a helmet on its head? All right, I will pull up a longhorn. Here's your little... Look, you got to get a little Rogaine going on there. Here's your that. little longhorn. <laughs> Look, here's your... Yeah. Oh, look at these. That's you a, can't put those in the ground. You can't hit anything with those. doesn't matter. Look how big sweep. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Watch me try and turn around. <laughs> He's going to do the 78-point turn like uh, Austin Powers. The badger just bit off his left knuckle. doesn't matter. Too late. And his left arm. All right, Jay. Jay. You've seen the pictures. Yes. You've listened to Jeremy's nonsense. Yes. What do you... What say you? <sighs> I, I now if I'm going just on mascots, if I'm going just on mascots, yeah, mascot okay. challenge. All right, hold on. I'm I'm going to. Here's Bucky. I'm going to. Kevin flash ditch effort. Well, well, Bucky yeah. is a little tick. Look, he's, he's wearing he's a turtleneck. He's wearing, he's wearing a turtleneck, <laughs> Kevin. He's wearing a turtleneck in that logo. He should, Damn it, Bucky. He should yeah, be teaching poetry at an all-girls college. Look at him. He's, <laughs> he's posing for the camera. Look at him. He's got a cheerleader's pom-pom in his mouth. Yeah, oh, that, that, that Bucky. just killed it right there. Posing for the camera with Bucky. the turtleneck on. I'm going with the longhorn. And a Where's Waldo oh, Going with the longhorn. Oh, Look at that thing. Bevo, you're much now, tougher than Bucky. I, if you're talking match here, I'm telling you right now, Wisconsin's not a team you want to see. And uh, I would not be surprised, like Brandon Rose, said that that match doesn't go four or five, and... We're not picking it that way right now. We're I picking know, mascots. Don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah, nobody's going to get mad at you about picking over the mascots. Yeah, okay. Look at this guy. 
He, he's wearing a 10-gallon hat. No, no, you picked the wrong picture. Go to the yeah, one that was... even that. Look at that. That dude's <laughs> going to run over the, uh, the third badger. One. No, go down. Third one to the right on the top. No, no. What? Right there. This third one. one. Third one down. Right. No, no. Down to down, the Where? Right there. That third one this to the guy. right. Yes. Look at that kid. He's serving That's you That's like the yarmulke <laughs> version of the 10-gallon hat. That thing is serving you who at an A&W drive-in. <laughs> but he's not wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> this guy does have shoulder pads. I'll give him that. All right, so we have Longhorns versus uh, Nittany Lions. Now, now we've got to look up the Nittany Lions. Ten Nittany Lions? Ten, is, it only is, that ten? What, is that what the number we're going? Ten Longhorns? Ten Nittany sure. Lions? Sure. It, I'm just letting you know right now our line looks like a chipmunk. It sounds more like a meal. Our right? line looks like a chipmunk, the logo. It just look does. at your guy out on the field. This is a terrible costume. Are What's you his name? Me? What's his name? Uh... You know, I don't like know. Like, you as, like, Joe. And yeah, I, Joe yeah, I, Johnson III. I should know this, and I'm probably going to get fired now that I don't, but Sorry, I don't I mean know. I call you out. My bad. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. I mean, I'll be sleeping on your couch now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you, do you know where I'm going with this one, Kevin? Keep going. Uh, if you have ten Nittany Lions who are bigger than a badger. Yes. A little bit more ferocious with their teeth and their paws. And can definitely three-point turn in a much smaller yeah. radius. They are going to Viva. pounce on top of said <laughs> Longhorns. Right. I've seen this in the, uh, the Ice Age display. Yeah. Longhorn will go down eventually. Because we'll, even what will happen is, like, the lion can, like, just make some puncture wounds and just let it bleed to death and then come back in and, uh, you know. Uh, well, look at this. I, I got a gate. Penn State, I got a question. He's so refined. He's so perfect. Yeah, I, that's I, the stone. That's the lion shrine airbrush. Right there. He's been airbrushed. He has not do you guys do something with the statue? Like, do they like pet it or anything when they walk by for games? Or like they don't get it's, it. it's on the opposite side it. of campus, actually. It's, no. uh, on graduation weekends, that thing has an hour, hour and a half long wait. It's a good-looking cat right yeah, there. Yeah, it's a pretty clean-looking cat, huh? That thing's walking the catwalks of Italy for sure. Regal. I mean, it's, it's in the Victoria's Secret show. That's, yeah. That, that cat right there. Sexy. Penn State Nittany Lions win the Final Four mascot challenge. <laughs> Dare I say. Sexy. Dare I say. Bucky. A turtleneck, really? A turtleneck? A turtleneck. Completely oh, just man, shot you right oh, out of man. the air right there. Kevin's like, oh, look at the mascot. <laughs> oh. Never mind. Nothing to see here. Gardhoff, I need to see Bucky the Badger with a Hello Kitty shirt on, please. <laughs> Next to Russ Rose smoking a doobie with oh, dread. Geez. Oh, no. <sighs> yes. This show has jumped the shark completely. It has. It. Thank God it's our last show of the year. Oh. Our real last show of the, the year. The last regularly scheduled program. Yeah. yeah. We will have hijinks and fun, I'm sure, on Friday. Hijinks. Let's, uh, you won't be there. I won't. I want I'm you to be my witness. I told, I told Kevin this last week on the show, but I just wanted to sink in again. Like, when we go to Seattle, I'm not going to be his bitch. Oh. We're like, I'm carrying everything all the time. And like, You're a net live rookie. We're hazing you for sure. Wow. First of all, I've been here for 26 years. <laughs> <laughs> he actually owned this house before you yeah. did. I finally, I'm, if it wasn't for me, Kevin, there would be no more show. Let's just be honest. Whoa. Maybe you should be carrying his bags. Yeah. Kevin? I'm sorry. I'm busy now. Here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm Kevin's going to call me and be like, oh, can you come by and pick up the equipment, take it to the airport? And I'm not going to respond. No. Nor no, should put, I, I have a bag. Because you know why he I'm can't take it? Because he's got a little rice rocket. It's got yeah, no it won't fit. Room. Yeah, it won't fit. That's right. We got four doors and a full trunk that split sixty forty through the back seat. I don't know what you guys are talking are about. Are you, you sponsored by? We're going to go out in the garage, and go for a ride. I have my backpack yes. and a carry on, and I'm good to go. We're going to go to Tommy Burger in that thing, and I'm going to eat in the back seat. Oh no! <laughs> I'll tell you what. I picked it up. On... <laughs> See how many donuts you do now. I picked it up on Thursday, and I was not feeling good. The stomach flu has been going 3 around. 3 to 5? 3.30 to 5.30. Sorry. I think it's 3 to 5. Okay. Schedule it. We can always switch it. Schedule it. Actually, schedule it 3 to 5.30. Just do that. 
<laughs> um, I just was for our, for our listeners. I was not feeling well during the day. And I thought I'd be okay, like just kind of sour stomach or whatever. Right. I go down to pick up the car. I'm reasonably okay. I go pick up my cousin. I go pick up the kids on the way, and I'm, and then when I start feeling real bad, so now I'm in my new car. I'm just hoping I don't throw up in my new car. I pick up my son. As I get out the car at the bus stop, I almost throw up. I wait to pick him up. He comes out the bus. He has thrown up at school and in the bus. Wow. He's got the same thing I have. I'm just telling Reese, just don't throw up in the car. I'm trying not to throw up in the car. I make my cousin walk home. (laughs) We drive home, and I'm kidding. It's it's like two minutes away. We come home, and I'm not in the shower five minutes later and throw up all over the place in the shower. Good place to throw up, by the way. Because I I hadn't really eaten anything, so there's nothing really coming out. I was on the message board. Why are we talking about throwing up right now? Yeah. So I didn't even get to enjoy my car until Friday when I felt better, but yeah. Wow. All right. Um, I'm from from the message here. board. Here's our uh, here's our uh, schedule for Seattle. Okay. Fly, drink, motocross, volleyball, drink, court and spark. Nice. <laughs> Unrated. Coming correct right there. God, I wish I was going. I'm so bummed right now. Here's the men. Let's bring you won't this back be when around. You're, you won't be when you're in Mexico. No, when I have a little umbrella staring me in the face. Just send us some photos. We need your I view at the that. time. Because you'll be warm, and little fat Jeremy will be cold. <laughs> yes. Yes. You have the layers of insulation. Let's see that again. Here's our championship history on the men's side, because we're going to talk to Jay here about Ooh, the men's just briefly. Excited. We will talk more in January, of course. Yes. But uh, UC Irvine, reigning two-time champion. Yep. Ohio State in 2011. Stanford, UC Irvine in 2009. Penn State, UC Irvine in 2007. Boy, who would imagine that UC Irvine would do all that? Uh, UCLA in 06, Pepperdine in 05, 04 BYU. Three, Lewis. Two, Hawaii, although both championships now taken away. Uh, 01 and 2000, that would be BYU and UCLA. They did the same split in 99 and 98. Yes, yes. Go all the way back to my era. Wow, 97. Stanford won that year. Yeah. UCLA the year before, and that was over Hawaii. Yeah. I like how they give the runner-up here, too. They didn't have that in the men's. That's I wanted good, them to have uh, the runner-up. Yeah, that's a good... Or the women's, uh, sorry. It's a good little little historical fact right there. UC Irvine defending champs. Yep. BYU still has Taylor Sander. Yes, but no Ben Patch. But apparently they're new opposite. No Ben Patch. He's on his Mormon mission. He is in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, good. So he'll be back two years stronger and two years better. He'll train for six months, get the volleyball back, and that's right. You get to play to your 27 if you're BYU. Okay, yeah. so tell me about the contenders. Who, give, me your, give me your top five. I'll give you my top five. Uh, I think UCI, uh, although will be a very strong team, they return... Uh, 75% of their starting lineup. They do not have Chris Austin, and they do not have Kevin Tilly. Kevin Tilly might be a huge factor. However, Connor Hughes uh, is no slouch. He was a senior. Right. Yeah, graduated. He's now playing overseas. At what Brandt, are you saying? He's a tremendous slouch. He, don't sell yourself short. Uh, and, I, and I think that those two guys were a huge part of that engine being so successful. Do I think they're going to be awful? Absolutely not. They're but they're not top five. I don't think they're going to be top Two. I think they're in the top five. I think they're all right. Down. So UCI is in. Who yep. Else? I think UCI is in there. I think UCLA uh, is relatively young. However, all things considered, uh, Spra does a nice job. Year two of John Spra. I think they're going to be uh, in the hunt. I think Long Beach State is the team that um, in recent history has had some down years, but all of a sudden. They found a little mix of some kids here. Who is this? I missed. They still Long have Crab. Oh, okay. Crab. Crab was a Crab, senior, wasn't he? Crab is still there, I believe. Okay. I think he's a senior this year, and they got Connor Olbrey as their setter. 
Uh, and they're just they're a pretty scrappy little team. Long Beach is going to be a team that I think is going to uh, be in the hunt for the MPSL. BYU, uh, obviously, every year you don't know who they're going to play because kids come back from the mission, and next thing you know, they got a kid who's 24 and he's you know figuring things out. But that and being as said, said, on the message board, you, he's holier as well. Yeah, that's right. And uh, he's gotten right with God. Yeah, yeah. And so BYU is going to be in the hunt as well. I think their new opposite from overseas is going to be legit. He's apparently a six nine or six ten oppo uh, euro who's obviously played at a high level very for a very long time. And he's totally know. ineligible if they dig into his background. Yeah, uh, you never know. Um, I think uh, I think we are a good team this year. I'm not going to lie to you. Penn State was young last year. We were mostly freshmen and sophomores on the court. Uh, and we only have one senior this year, so it's uh, it's going to be a good year for us. In the Midwest, um, you know, Loyola is going to be good. Lewis is going to be good. But the team that got better is Ohio State. Uh, they got a new setter this year, a kid named Christian Blau from over in the East Coast, uh, played on the youth national team, pretty good little player. Uh, and if their opposite can be healthy, Lutz uh, and Henchy on the outside, they're going to be a little tough team to deal with. Um, so I think those are some teams that stand out. I think Princeton and Harvard, given a little EIVA love, are both teams that are still going to do well this year. They're playing some teams out west early. Kessel's in the still season. out there. Kessel is still out there. That team uh, is going to be dangerous in a handful. So uh, they're going to do some damage this year. I think, uh, I think some teams on the rise. I think Stanford's somewhere in the mix. Um, they struggled last year. They bit. did. And you know who is going to be better, and maybe not this year, but in the years to come, is going to be Northridge. And here's why. For the first time in school history, they now have four and a half scholarships. They were undergunned with half as many scholarships as everybody else for the history of that program. Wow. And apparently their new athletic director or directors that they brought in yeah. are from USC and Oklahoma. And apparently they are looking at this program going, yeah, you've been successful, but you've really been underfunded. Well, I wonder what we can do if we funded you completely. And Jeff Campbell is, and, and his, uh, Theo uh, have really got some new uh, renewed energy. And in a couple of years, that team could be a little bit more than they are now. I think they're going to be pretty good. I wish uh, we could have kept UOP. I'm sorry for that loss. This is some exciting, time for, exciting times for men's volleyball. The next three to four years, don't be surprised if you see expansion. We're going to a final six right? final this six year, this right? Year. This, this is year. the first year. Uh, winner from each conference, two at-larges, uh, and all of them will be flown out to the final four destination. For this a, year that's happening. This year. Nice. Yeah, it's awesome. And the setup is such that they can expand it to eight without even blinking an eye, without having to add any kind of new playoff format. It's already set up, and I think... There's some dominoes that are wobbling, and I've been talking about it for a while, and, and it's starting to come into fruition. There are some dominoes that are going to fall in the next three to four years, and you're going to see some big teams, I think. Awesome. We need a Division One team. Once that happens, then they start a program. The rest are going to follow, and, uh, and I'm excited. I really am excited about it. It's a good time. Well, why don't we call Jared Elliott right back, or back right now? Let's and call about Jared. Let's call up uh, Jim. Let's call up uh, John Cook. Let's call up... Uh, well, John Cook's got some time on his hands. We could talk to him. We actually asked him that question last year, I believe it was. We asked John about that. Yep, so. and we know the response, and we're not going to get into that. But that was, uh, you know, there are other coaches out there that I think could uh, could help it go. I think Oregon. Hanley, Oregon, man, if, if if they were to start a men's team, they'd be good. I'm, I think I'm Illinois. I think Illinois the is the best. I already signed. Yeah. 
Illinois is the best chance I think we've got right now, at least in terms of exposure to their athletic directors. They've seen what a men's match looks like. Hambly did a nice job of scheduling that match last year with Lewis Loyola in his gym. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I just there's there's some movement, and I'm, I'm I'm pretty positive about where it's going. I just you know we got to keep striking while the iron's hot. I like your positivity. Thank and you. I, wasn't it just announced that? UCLA is getting the Final Four in 2015? No, the, the new, the, the next four years. Where is Final Four this year? This oh, year is in Loyola, Chicago. Ooh, I want to go to that. That's going to be awesome. I, can't, I, I want to go home. They have a new facility. It's beautiful. It seats, I think, four or 5,000. It's going to be really, really nice. 2018. Uh, uh, they're, yeah, they're going. 2015 is going to be at uh, Stanford. Uh, 2016 is going to be at our place at Penn State. 2017 oh, is going like to be at be Ohio there. State. Okay. And then 2018 will be at UCLA. UCLA. Okay. And, if you, and if we do, uh, if you guys do make it out, obviously you stay at my house. My wife cooks for everybody and we have a couple cocktails. Dude. Enjoy. Am I life. sleeping on a fold-out couch? You are not. You will have your own king-size bed. I'll put Suck him on that, the Kevin. <laughs> I, would, I would love to be at Loyola Chicago, but I'm at Supercross each weekend. As it's drink, drink, drink. drink. <laughs> People are wasted. You got to go with people that pay. You know, I mean. Hey, you know, speaking of people that pay, I was telling Jeremy this earlier, and I'm going to put it out there. And Gardhoff, maybe you take it and run with this. We should have a contest hmm. where people take pictures at random spots wearing a NetLive T-shirt. Yeah, it's like the Beach Reporter. Yeah, and you should at the end we need, of the year. We need more NetLive T-shirts. That could be a new Netty Award for the most. Appropriate or that random. Be better yeah. picture, the best, yeah, best picture award, and then people can go out there. They have to purchase a shirt. They get out there and they take pictures, and you get a little advertising. I think it'd be good. So I'm throwing it out there, people. Let's make get the pictures. Yeah. let's take. Let's make that happen. We'll get you like some it. prizes. <laughs> I want to say uh, thank you to Jay Hasek for thank coming you. here. Thank you, thank for you to Jeremy, for still being here. And Jeremy, I'm looking forward to our road trip that's coming up on Thursday. We will be in Seattle Thursday <sighs> afternoon. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be there till Saturday. Jeremy, I think, leaves in the morning. I leave in the evening. Correct. It will be a lot of fun. We will have our final four convention show. That show brought to you by Court and Spark. It is being hosted on location by Gold Medal Square. That's going to be a great show. Friday, 3 to 5-ish p.m. Yep, Pacific time. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I am hosting the Court and Spark premiere. I'm looking forward to that. We're going to be having a conference call later today. Thank you to Deb uh, Static and Brandon Rosenthal for contributing to College Volleyball Weekly. Thank you to the four coaches. Our final four fives were really good, and that's because those coaches are willing to give their time and a lot of fun. Jared Elliott of Texas, Jim McLaughlin of Washington, Kelly Sheffield from Wisconsin, and Russ Rose of Penn State. We look forward to seeing those matchups between Washington and Penn State, as well as Wisconsin and Texas, coming up on Thursday night. And I think you can watch those on ESPN if you want to check those out. And that ESPN. Too big, but yeah, I think it's on two. And then the finals, of course, will be Saturday, whoever makes the finals. So thanks to everyone who contributed to this show. Thanks to everyone who's been listening. Hope you've enjoyed today's program. We had lots of fun. Maybe we did tap out emotionally. I don't know. That's from Jim McLaughlin. So bring your big rocks. Bring your little rocks. Come to Seattle. Make sure you stay high. Stop by the Gold Medal Square booth on Friday afternoon. Say hi to us as we try and drag in some of the big names in the sport. For Jeremy and Jay, I'm Kevin. We'll see you.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.